Flushing girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Miss Fine. Welcome, everybody, to the very last, final, final episode of Oh, Mr. Sheffield, a podcast about the nanny, which was a hit sitcom in the 90s, starring Fran Drescher. I am Shondi Pasquale, here, as always, with... Toria Sheffield. Yes. <laughs> and this is it. This is the last one of this show that we'll ever, 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 ever going to record, Toria. You know, I have a lot of thoughts. I think we should. I think we should spend a little bit of time just reflecting and talking about how fun this was and how awesome and how much we're going to miss it. I also want to mm. remind everyone, you know, even though this is the last episode, Keep this feed followed on your podcast apps because we definitely will post little bonus episodes and, you know, we, we will, we will return. We will all meet again at some point. Uh, we're not done forever. This is just the end for now. We got to go do some of our own stuff. Um, and, and, but we, we, we do have other, we, we want to, we want to come back and keep doing this cause it's super fun for both of us. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think this thing that I probably, I, I feel like it's almost like retirement where you're like, we're like, Oh, you know, we'll have, um, time for this or time for that now. But it's like, we probably get so much social socialization out of this podcast that it's like, there will be a big hole when, when you know it's like when you're like well now i've actually declined because i'm i'm not doing this anymore that's kind of what i'm like yeah. is that gonna happen because we talk yeah. a couple hours a week every single week and it's been that way for three years and uh it'll yeah, actually i don't, I don't know, think yeah i, I don't, I don't think stop I've doing that <laughs> yeah yeah and i don't think i've actually processed uh that that's just okay not not gonna happen but as Sean said, like we have definitely ideas for some fun stuff we want to do. It might not be like every week for a little while, but you know we're gonna make it very clear when those things come out. Yeah, I, I mean, I do think. But to to continue your retirement uh, metaphor, I do think that much like a lot of people that go into retirement will get a couple months into this and then be like, <laughs> "All right, I want to go do the thing again." Kind of uh, well. like now. <laughs> how much mm-hmm. how much time am i actually filling from 8 a.m to 10 a.m sunday morning <laughs> that's like i know because i know for you it's like you, you have a much different schedule than me but for me it's just like all right tight i guess i'll just play uh, disney dreamlight valley for a couple more hours on sunday <laughs> <laughs> no for me for me and sean and i have talked about this a ton because my job takes up so much time and then i also have a writing partner um it's like, okay, I need to figure out when to exercise. I need to try to grocery shop or this or that. But I mean, my we've taught we're, – we're, okay, everyone, we're going to try to secret. Toria falling into a lot of money or maybe whoever I'm with has a lot of money. You know, maybe I make the money. Who knows? All it is is then I'm freed up because yeah. my true my true happy place is creative stuff and podcasting with Sean. So, uh, yeah. hey, the universe, let's make it happen. Yeah, listen. So if there's any – independently wealthy listeners who, you know, have always had a crush on Toria, but didn't want to be inappropriate or whatever. Like now's your time. Step up to the plate. Be like, Toria, I want to make your uh, writing and podcasting dreams come true. And yeah, she but, will swoon. But no weird, no weird stuff. No weird yeah, stuff. Oh, this is a, yeah, no freaks, no, <laughs> no freaks, freak. no weirdos, please. um no but we're we're you know a lot of this is you know hey we josh around here we josh around here but um yeah i uh we're gonna 
I'm sh- sure uh, get really antsy and miss it. And this has been a, this has yeah. been a real, like doing something every week for three years. Like, I don't, I don't know how it happened. I don't, you know, but, I don't um, either. It's a weird thing where it's like a very, it's like a kind of a big accomplishment that we did it, that we just like committed and did it. But at the same time, I don't know how we did that. <laughs> yeah, because there's just so many projects, especially things that start in the pandemic, but even unrelated to pandemic where it's like you start something and then you don't finish. Yeah. And I'm I'm very guilty of that. So same. Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm like, how did we, I, I don't know. I think I a big part of it I is mean, you guys, the listeners, yeah. like the, yeah. the, the fact that there was people actively like all over the country and the world who were excited about what we were doing and then kind of like helped organically build this community. Like it made us like feel like, well, okay, we're not just like screaming into the void. And, and this is really fun because we're connecting with people and, um, and it just breathed life into it. Um, so I I agree. It did. It it was, yeah, it did. I like a hundred percent. I I agree. It was the community that built around this that really made it that much easier for us to be like, well, yeah, we get, you know, there's people that are interested and 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 are participating and are like communicating with us, you know. So it we, it never felt like a passive experience. It felt like we were always all kind of doing this together, and mm-hmm. that I think was a huge part. So yeah, I mean as much as we're patting ourselves on the back, like this, so much of this is owed to the, to you. If you are listening right now to this finale, like, thank you. It like truly, truly thank you. It was so much fun because of you guys. Um, and, and that's, that's pretty awesome. And we definitely, you know, we, we, we will, I can almost guarantee at some point Tori and I are going to watch Beautician and the Beast and then come here and talk about it. I can almost guarantee uh-huh, it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> and like probably like a, an episode or two or some of Fran's other shows and, and who knows what else. I really, 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 really love the idea of doing a, I love Lucy podcast, but we'll see um, on, on that. Um, but this was just, I, I just, I had so much fun doing this and meeting everyone. And the fact that like, you know, uh, Peter Mark Jacobson, uh, counts himself amongst our listeners and, and says some very nice things, which you'll hear at the end of, uh, of this episode, we're gonna, so, so we're gonna do a normal episode for, for, for the finale part two, and then we'll do a little intro and lead right into our interview with Peter Mark Jacobson, who was so gracious and so amazing with his time. So definitely stick around and listen to that or check the show notes and we'll have like the specific time code that you can jump to, to uh, just go there if, if you don't want to hear it, or if you've already listened and you just want to hear the, the interview again, whatever you want to do. Um, so yeah, so I guess... We should do let's it, begin, right? Let's begin the end. Okay, so so season sex, episode 22, finale part two, written by Karen Lucas, Peter, uh, sorry, Karen Lucas, Frank Lombardi, and Peter Mark Jacobson, directed by Peter Mark Jacobson. And this is the one that ends the entire show. They wrap it all up, Doria. Yep. And again, um, like we said last week, this all aired as one episode. So- this one starts right where we left off last week. Fran is in a hospital bed now in a ton of discomfort. Um, and as you know, like uh, Cece has 
accepted Niles's proposal. So that's also something happening, but she's also feeling super nauseous and isn't sure about the decision. But so at least in this scene, we have Fran in that hospital bed and Sylvia comes in with Yetta and they all hug. And um, this, this line made me laugh out loud so hard in like literally the first 30 seconds because Fran um, like takes Yetta's hand and, and she, she's like, Yetta, I'm, I'm afraid it's going to hurt. And Yetta goes, Aw, baby, what's there to be scared about? Look what came out of me. And then she points to Sylvia, <laughs> who granted is like a foot taller than Yetta and is just a much different build than tiny little Yetta. So it was just so funny just to go. She's not even saying it to insult Sylvia. She's just no. very matter of factly going, oh, look, hey, that that came out of me. So you'll be fine. <laughs> I loved this scene. This was such a beautiful way to begin this 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 episode or this half of the of the finale like i loved seeing all all three women in the room together and there was something very uh moving to me about fran having like her mother and her grandmother there with her like it's mm -hmm. just like very nice and like warming and i thought this was really uh, uh really nice really beautiful scene yeah, I totally agree. Um, and then we go out to the waiting room. The kids are like reading magazines while um, <laughs> Maxwell is filling out paperwork. And this was so I funny. Love because, so they're just doing that. And then Niles is like sitting across the room and he just starts moaning, oh, God. And then he kind of looks over towards where Maxwell's sitting. And then he goes, oh, God. And he looks back He's over and then he... <laughs> <laughs> he's literally like whoa whoa is me i mean it's so funny <laughs> and, to the point, and then he stands up conspicuously walks over to maxwell and goes sir i think the gentleman over there is trying to get your attention and then he goes <laughs> back to his seat and goes oh so then maxwell begrudgingly gets up even though he's literally trying to fill out paperwork for his wife who's in labor and this made me think of a few weeks ago when <laughs> remember when maxo was mad at fran for like involving herself in cc niles stuff and he was basically like you know when you meddle then it makes niles to you, know, you meddled and then niles is depressed and now i have to deal with that and you were like oh i mean why can't he just let his staff be you know sad sometimes and i was like this is why because niles <laughs> <laughs> Niles is like his second wife and he truly they truly have such a codependent uh relationship that like it very much becomes a Maxwell problem <laughs> but so then Maxwell begrudgingly gets up he goes over to Niles and he's like oh and he's like oh okay what's wrong old man and he's he's like Miss Babcock has been vomiting since she said yes and and you know I, I'm worried she regrets it and Maxwell, he goes, well, yeah, I mean, maybe she's a little nervous, but, you know, put yourself in her shoes. And then without skipping a beat, Niles goes, I can't. They're too big. And then they both start laughing uproariously at, like, the sick burn. But then suddenly Niles goes, hey, that's my future wife you're laughing at. And I don't dig it. And then, like, like, like literally, like, like he does the, like, uh, mayor of Nightmare Before Christmas turn, like, yeah, um, like the <laughs> and then and then Charles John is a he has the he has the funniest expression like like his face goes to like this guy is nuts like look and I I want to just take a moment here since it's the finale I think Charles Shaughnessy is a little bit like an unsung hero of this show um, I agree he he is someone who makes 
everything seems so effortless that like we're not even really aware how much he's doing. And, you know, sometimes he is doing something really earnest and heartfelt and like something that actually makes us cry, like when it has to do with him thinking about his like late wife, Sarah. And then sometimes he's literally like crawling over a table in a sort of like 1950s screwball comedy, like jokiness. And then sometimes he's just being very goofy with his face. He just, he can do everything extremely well. And I think that's exactly the type of actor where you don't even notice it. I think that's a really good point. I, 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 he is incredibly versatile. He has like so much range, but it all plays very naturally. And because of that, it's easy to just go like, yeah, he's great and like overlook it. But there's probably in, in reality, like a ton of skill that you're seeing on display there to like do all of those things to be able to play that big range from like, you know, you know, dramatic and somber to like screwball comedy um, and have it all have this tonality of realism to it. Right. Just have it all sort of feel like the same character, the same guy. Cause when he gets goofy, it doesn't feel like a different Mr. Sheffield. It just feels mm -hmm. like a different aspect of this man. Um, and then there's there's a lot of skill there. He he really is an unsung hero. And I I don't I, you know I was I was trying to I was doing this the other day, kind of looking what everybody did after this. And I I think it's kind of a bummer, honestly, that we didn't get to see more of um, a lot of these people in in like more dramatic roles and like bigger roles and stuff. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, everybody on this show is incredibly talented. And I think a lot of that, it's just like, you know, it is the tough nature of the business where honestly, to for there's so many actors out there grinding, trying to get a break that like being on a sitcom for six years that is as beloved as this, like I I think if they, re yeah, if you, if you re you know, we sometimes get stuck in the like, well, if you're not like, you know, at the Oscars or like, you know, if you're not like, um, you know, Jennifer Lawrence in like blockbuster after blockbuster every year, like you're not quote, you didn't make it, but it's like for most, for a lot, a lot of people in LA trying to act, if you were like, oh, you're going to be on a hit sitcom for six seasons. Um, and that'll be mostly what you're known for. They'd be like, yeah, I'd sell my soul for it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, like, look that, that I didn't say that to knock like Charles Shaughnessy is a perfect example. This is a man who has over a hundred and 20 credits to his name on IMDb. So like he did not stop working by any means. He actually worked more after the nanny than he did before. I mean, he does voiceover work and guest star roles and he's been on, uh, you name a show. He's had a role in it. He's done video game voices. I, I mean, the guy where he was on mad men from like mm -hmm. mad men to Hannah Montana to uh, two different CSI shows. So like the guy works all the friggin' time. I, I guess what I was just saying was I, I just think it's interesting like that he didn't he didn't um there was never like another he never had that leading man role again after this. He just got to consistently work, which is an amazing achievement for any actor. Um, but like a bummer that we didn't get mm -hmm. to see him sort of like do that in another role and have that longevity or, or, or have that spotlight on him, you know? And, and yeah. honestly, uh, you know, Niall, uh, Daniel Davis is the same. I mean, dude's still working. He was just on Star Trek Picard as, uh, Moriarty, mm. the, the, 
the most recent season. So like oh. dude is still working all the time. Um, Wait, there's again, a Mori- you know, there's a Moriarty on Star Trek. Um, I mean, I, yeah. So y- yes, the, the short answer is yes. Uh, uh, Star Trek, the next generation and Star Trek Picard, the linking thing is James Luke Picard. The, uh, he's a very well-read man. They had holodecks on next generation. He used to like to use the holodeck to sort of play act in a, uh, a Sherlock Holmes mystery you know, and so Moriarty was there, but then the holodeck goes wrong in one episode and Moriarty gets brought into the real world. And it's like so a whole random. thing. And then that they reference so... it later in this Picard episode. Uh, what a weird crossover. <laughs> okay. But okay. Anyway, yeah. back to the show. I definitely <laughs> yeah. have thoughts, but um, okay. So save it for the so, Star Trek podcast. Start for the Star do. Trek Sherlock Holmes crossover pod. Uh, <laughs> Starlock. <laughs> Starlock with Sean and Toria, where we exclusively Star talk Holmes. about that crossover. <laughs> where we only talk about that. We talk about one episode of The Next Generation and one episode of Picard. Week after week, the same two 128 <laughs> episodes we do. <laughs> and then every week I just go, I just, I just think it's kind of weird, you know? <laughs> okay. Um, but okay, so back to where we were, Charles Sha- Shaughnessy gives this hilarious look of this guy's nuts because Niles literally just made a jab at CC and then got offended that Mr. Sheffield laughed. And then yeah. we got back to Fran in the hospital bed. And now she's sitting there with Val, um, who, of course, in real life is is go- about to have her own babies. Um, I, mm-hmm. I don't think she's had them yet. Um, I'm, I kind For some reason, I thought she did have them some... I should have jumped. You know what? Here, I I can quickly check this. Let's see. Um, so Rachel Chagall, aka um, Val, is in the room with her. And in real life, Rachel Chagall gave birth on March nineteenth, nineteen ninety nine. So she was probably like oh. like minutes away from giving birth in this when she was on while set. they're filming. So I'm ass- yes, I'm, ass- I'm assuming that they definitely would have filmed this more than eight weeks before it aired right there's no way she like just gave birth and then came to the set right like probably not yeah I mean, so it's like so so val would have been i mean rachel chagall would have been super super pregnant which is ironic because she is playing not pregnant office opposite a pretend pregnant fran Drescher, and yes. val is like she's like you know, Val, Max and I would be honored if you would be the twins' godmother. And Val's this like, This is oh so my good, gosh. this line. <laughs> yeah, she's like, she's like, Fran, I, I would love to. Like, I'd be honored. Because, you know, w- when all the little girls used, used to dream of being Cinderella, I used to dream of being a fairy godmother. And Fran's <laughs> like, okay, but Val, you know, it doesn't come with, like, wands and magical powers, right? And Val instantly looks disappointed and goes, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she thought she was definitely gonna get like imbued with magic and that's really funny then, we I, I i love the idea of people misunderstanding what a godmother is i think it's a really funny joke <laughs> and then and then val leaves and cece comes in and i love this dynamic that's developed this episode and like the la- the first part of the finale where she comes in, she literally cramps herself into Fran's bed while Fran is like having contractions and in a lot of pain and sort of like without even noticing Fran's situation is like, oh, Nanny, fine, I need to talk to you about this Nile situation. And she crams in and she's like, I'm just so afraid I'm making a big mistake. And Fran, 
who is like literally in agony. She's basically, you know, she's like trying to talk her through it. And then she like moans and Cece goes, shh, I'm trying to think. <laughs> so then, I, I just, um, yeah. I really want to highlight real quick. I thought it was fantastic. Whether you break it up as two episodes or you watch it all as one, it was a really, really fantastic choice to so heavily feature Cece in these last two episodes. I thought it was truly, truly great. I really love that they let Lauren Lane kind of cut loose over the course of like an hour, basically, you know, she like gets to play like so zany in the, in the, in the elevator and like, you know what I mean? And like, she's like so big in there and she's like dealing with like the pregnancy. And then she comes in here and she just like kills in this scene, like crawling into bed with pregnant Fran. <laughs> mm-hmm. They just gave, it's the most CC has ever had to do in any episode of the show. And I think it was br- a brilliant move to really highlight and feature everyone around Fran in this, but like really let Cece, uh, lo- you know, Lauren cut loose was, was yes. a really smart idea. Yes. And it's, it's kind of funny. Cause like, it's just interesting how characters evolve because can you imagine if you go back to the pilot episode of this and just like who we set Cece up as or who the writers do. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then imagine you're like, Oh no, in six years, she's going to be like one of the main parts of almost like a two-hander finale with Fran Drescher, yeah. you know, yeah, and like cool. we care about her. We care about her just as much. It's, uh, it was really fun. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, and then, so, okay, so Cece now hops out of bed and goes, and she, she like insists that she's done talking about herself um, because, oh, in this scene, she also was like, no, oh, because what Fran, one thing that Fran said to her was like, you're scared, but I promise as soon as you say I do, like all of your doubts are going to melt away. Like you will, you will truly like be fine and you just should commit and stop worrying. And so Cece like kind of nods, she gets out and she's like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm done talking about myself, Nanny Fine. I, I, I'm not going to steal your thunder anymore. Okay. And she even had said like, it was very sweet because she was like, well, obviously at my wedding, like you need to be there. And, and, and the, you know, your, your mom and Yetta and, and, you know, all three of the children. And she's like, cause you know how much, how, you know how much they love me and how close I am. And Fran's literally like, she like, is like, oh, you mean like, like George, Sarah, and Martha, or like something like that, like three completely random names. And Cece's like, mm-hmm. But it was very, very <laughs> cute to me that Cece, like, you know, these are the closest people in her life. Like, like Fran's her best friend. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but so she hops out of bed and is like, I'm not going to steal your thunder. Literally cut to Niles and Cece getting married over Fran's body as she's giving birth. And there is a chaplain in the room marrying them as Fran pushes. 
okay. Unrealistic, yes, yes, yes. This was too much for me. <laughs> this was just a little bit too much for me. Like, I, I loved this finale, and I loved a lot of, like, what happens in this scene, but, like, this bit was, like, a little too far. I was like, mm, okay. Do you think, okay, <laughs> what if, like, what if it had cut to them in, like, the hospital, like, church, or, you know, they have those chapels, I mean, and... Uh, Fran was there in a gurney. <laughs> well, <laughs> like if they had honestly, they I think my, I honestly think my preference would have been to deal with the birth, then give us a small time jump to the marriage, then give us a smaller time jump to everyone's heading off and going their separate ways. I think I would have preferred like little vignettes in this rather than like we have to have this wedding happen in the delivery room <laughs> yeah i can and see I it and it's cute and it's very original and like you know but i think i would have rather have had it the other way <laughs> yes yes and it's because it's like the merge doesn't ha i guess in i guess in cc's mind she just wanted everybody important to be there and so it was like it needs to be done today but yeah, it was very sitcom logic of like, wouldn't it be so funny now if they're getting married over uh, a woman giving birth? <laughs> like, like, and that's like, that's like where the dissection ended. Yes. But it was a very active scene because there's all these people around Fran, like she, and to the point where then while they're getting married, um, Uncle Stanley, her Uncle Stanley and his wife comes in and by the way, it's the real Morty and Sylvia Drescher, uh, Fran's yep. real life parents, which I, you know, she clearly just wanted a little nod to them in the finale, which was so cute because um, Uncle Stanley, aka real life Morty, they come in and, he, and he's like, he's like, hey, what's happening? And she's like, she's like, where's my, she's like, where's my dad? And he's like, oh, he's waiting for my parking space. And then she's like, <laughs> he, why didn't you give him the parking space? Like, he's my dad. And then Uncle Stanley goes, what am I, Chuck Liver? And it was so funny. Real life, here's the thing. Real life Morty, to me, feels so much more like the Morty I had imagined in my mind for six years than the Morty we actually met. I agree. Of like a billion percent, I agree. Mm -hmm. uh, like I, that is who I pictured always. And maybe that was just the bias of knowing it was her real dad. But mm, I think I think what's his name of Steve and Edie? He is too classy. He had here's the thing. It was it Steve and Edie? Ugh, did I make that up? Oh my goodness. Uh, you know, no, I think that's this, right. I, th I think that's right. Duo. Yeah. Let's Steve see. and Edie. Okay, good, good, good. So yeah. he can he admits a natural sophistication in class, that man, right? Yes. Even if he he's does. making a silly joke, he And trying to not. play not. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. and I think that just comes through so strongly with him that um, while there was some very funny, well, he was, you know, great in his own way, the morning that I imagine is just lower class. <laughs> and, and is like, yeah, is, is more like real life Morty. But anyway, it was, it was such a cute little nod to have them in there. And, um, and so then, then Maxwell is like trying to calm Fran down because she's like, you know, so, you know, it's so much pain and she's freaking out. And he's like, at first he's like, okay, darling, darling, imagine you're on a, a relaxing beach, you know, the wind <laughs> in your hair. And she's like, it's not working. And he's like, oh, okay, okay uh, um, you're in Lomans, uh, the whole store to yourself, uh, your own price gun. And, and then she's like, ah. 
<laughs> so, so I love that that's Classic. her happy meditative place. Yeah, it's, um, in, it's in, I mean, in, it's perfect characterization, right? Like, <laughs> uh huh, uh huh. And then, uh, the chaplain, after you know, all this commotion, he's like, Do you, Niles, take chastity Claire to be your lawfully wedded <gasps> wife? And everybody goes, Chastity Claire, <laughs> because I we've never screamed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I screamed, Toria. I literally screamed and was so confused and was really glad that I didn't remember this and really glad that I somehow throughout all of this, I don't think I ever spoiled this for myself that this was happening. <laughs> and I screamed. And just to, to give a quick teaser to stick around for the, the PMJ interview, because we talk about this, we also talk about, and he definitively answers the question of Niles's full name. It, it, yeah, this, to give you a teaser, to give you, again, to whet your appetites, as I grossly keep liking to say, no. we will get <laughs> So phlegmy. <laughs> oh, that's not, I didn't even mean it. That's just my natural nastiness. I didn't even mean it to be phlegmy. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so, um, yes, but, but Chastity Claire is so funny. Funny. That's um, such a perfect name for her, huh? Chastity Claire. Uh-huh. And then um yeah. also she's just like such a sex pot that um chat or like she just loves sex so much that, that her first name is Chastity is so funny. Um yeah. so then we kind of go to what would have been a commercial break, like in the actual mm-hmm. airing. Mm-hmm. We go back to this room, and now it's just Fran and Maxwell and the doctors. Like everyone else is kind of, you know, obviously left because it's getting to the would hey, what I've learned they call the ring of fire. Uh, since my be- my best friend just gave birth, that's when the baby is crowning and coming out. <laughs> and um, so she pushes, she pushes, she pushes, and first she has the boy, and and then she has the girl, and as she's pushing, she goes, oh, she has my mother's hips. <laughs> Maybe she can feel wide hips coming out of her. And I was like, wow, they really got these crying little babies. Like, they're really crying. It was honestly chaotic. Um, they clearly wanted to use as young babies. I mean, they're obviously not newborn babies, but they wanted to use real young babies. And I find it <laughs> to be hilarious that in the very next scene, they're clearly dolls because <laughs> of the chaos that filming this probably caused. I mean, you it is chaotic. Like, and and if and if the scenes that ended up in the final cut of like Fran and like the cast having to yell over these crying babies, you know. That like it was worse than that as they tried to film these scenes because like <laughs> there I is wish we had no. <laughs> I actually wish we had asked. This is this is another question. I don't know, I'm thinking about it. I wish we had asked Peter Mark Jacobson. <laughs> what was it like directing those babies? And oh then goodness. get this, Fran. You know, Fran. She pushes them out and they put them in her arms. And Fran's like, you know, honey, I was thinking we could call the boy Jonah Samuel after my great-grandfather and the girl Eve Catherine after your great-grandmother. And by the way, Jonah and Eve are a little nod and homage to Rachel Chagall's twins that she had. Those were their names. And Fran wrote them into the show. That is so cute. I love that. Mm -hmm. That's adorable. Mm -hmm. Such a beautiful... Yeah, little, what a nice like, homage. Thing. 
living living forever on the nanny and um so wait so fran's kids canonically are jonah and what What eve jonah and eve jonah and eve those are good names that's not oh bad. Yeah, oh my God. You're Jonah, right. Sheffield. Sheffield, Eve, Sheffield. I like Eve it's Sheffield. I like Eve Sheffield is great. Jonah Sheffield is okay. Uh, neither name is very Jewish. I will say doesn't feel very Isn't Jewish. Jo- Jonah is very Jewish. Mm. Yes. It's Jonah Samuel. Should have been Jonas. Let me see. Jonah name origin. I, th- I think Jewish when I hear Jonah, but maybe. Hmm. Yeah, it's a Jonah is a masculine name of Hebrew origins. Oh, tight. All right. Well, good, good. I'm cutting that. <laughs> yeah. You can't your, can't your be ignorance. wrong in the finale. I okay, know. Okay. <laughs> um, so then um, everyone comes in to meet the babies. And, you know, so it's yeah. like the gra- like grandparents and family and friends. And, um, and the babies are crying their eyes out through all of this. It's so funny. Like just like wailing these babies, mm-hmm. and and Cece comes over to Fran and she's like, you know, you're right. I feel so much better. You know, I, I, as soon as I said I do, I felt so much better. And one thing that we didn't make clear fully is that maybe we did, but Cece had been like, the joke was that she was vomiting like a lot, like constantly. Like she she was so sick to her stomach recently, and and she was yes. linking this to her anxiety over if she should or shouldn't marry Niles, and so yes. then. <laughs> Which, caught, of course, we knew it wasn't going to mm-hmm. be that. But, but so she's like, she's like, you know, Nanny, fine. Like, I feel so much better. Thank you. And then she goes, and you have two beautiful little babies. And then she looks at, she looks at Brighton, Maggie, and Gracie, and goes, and now Danny, Jennifer, and Howie have a little brother and sister. <laughs> I laugh. So hard because she didn't even choose two girl names. She's now so out of touch with what they are actual names are that she said Danny, Jennifer, and Howie. The idea that Gracie's name would be Howie, it was so funny. And she said it, (laughs) the delivery was so perfect. Um, And I just wrote, I absolutely love this version of Cece. Like she's still deeply flawed, but trying the best she can. (laughs) Yes. Yes. This is a CC. Honestly, it again I, I this is a CC that I would have queued up for a spin-off cuz I would watch this version of CC forever, right? She's so enjoyable. She's trying so hard. And it's like it's a great character cuz like the CC show would just be like life shitting on her and her persevering and it'd be so fun to watch you know yes and it's it's like the lady trying to be a better person every day but still coming from such a place of deficit <laughs> constantly putting her foot in her mouth you know yeah it's great it's great so let's write that show. then oh this that well um we we did i uh, did i did we ever discuss how niles actually pitched a niles cc spinoff um we did. I, we discussed I, it, yeah, and okay. we discussed yeah, yeah. briefly. We discussed spinoffs and stuff uh, a lot with Peter. He he goes down a whole a whole explanation yeah. of of yeah. all of that stuff for us, which is really cool. So um, that's coming up. Soon. And so I'm going to keep teasing that. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so then, while they're all in there, a doctor walks in, and he asks for Chastity Claire, and he, and he's like ah. he's like Chastity Claire. He's like we've got the results back, and you know, about like basically why you've been feeling badly because she had like checked in with a doctor while they were in the hospital. And wait, um, I have a question that I just mm-hmm. realized. So does mm-hmm. that mean that her name is not C E C E? 
that this whole it's, time it's, it's just been C period, C period? Yes. Yeah. And that is, that is how we always refer to her in um, even um, shows, show synopses like show on notes. Spotify. But when I wow. first started, I was spelling it incorrectly c-e-c-e and then a few episodes in i i like realized right yeah okay i'm not very observant Mm -hmm. all right carry on Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh just hey it's just three years and whatever three years of my life i never once uh, bothered to notice it's we learn sometimes like supposedly host a yeah, <laughs> um, I'm very self-involved. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> um, I imagine being like, "Hey, what's Elizabeth's middle name?" And you're like, "What?" <laughs> Actually, Who's what Elizabeth? is Elizabeth's middle name? I love knowing middle names. What's Elizabeth? Marley. Middle name? Elizabeth. Marley? Well, oh, I, she's actually. I she knew also that. has a. She also has a. Um, believe it or not, she. Well, I mean, what does that mean? She has a <laughs> Korean middle name too. So her her full name is Elizabeth Marley. Uh, uh, Infa Kim. And then is Marley her mom's maiden name? No, Marley is her middle name that her dad gave her, and 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 her like American, you know, American middle name or whatever. And then mm, um, okay, Infa is uh is her Korean um, Korean name, which is like a generational is you know Infak mm-hmm. Infa and in, you know. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. What's your middle name? John, I'm I, wait, Sean John. I think I, no, I you know knew this. as soon as yeah. soon as I asked in my head, I went John. <laughs> yeah, Sean John. Yeah, Crazy. just like Puff Daddy, the, the, the disgraced Sean... P Diddy. Why? It's so funny. Mm. No, I'm just. I love learning. I love middle names. I think it's like such a fun thing to know about people. Um, okay, what's so yours? Then Jane. Jane. Mm-hmm. Victoria Jane. Oh, that's kind of cute, actually. Victoria Jane. Mm-hmm. That's adorable. Yeah. When I was a kid, my dad would call me TJ Maximus. <gasps> I love that. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. Um, oh, my God. Okay. I know, right? Um, yeah. So then it's just weird. It's like this thing that you don't know until you know. And then you're like, oh, I kind of – how did I not know? I see. Um, okay. But so – When I first met Elizabeth, was- she was going by Marley. I was introduced to her as Marley. Oh, interesting. I, like, I mean, Marley's a really a girl cool name, named too. Marley. Yeah, I was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good right. name. Yeah. Hey, and my, hey, and I was right. And I married her. I locked it down. <laughs> um, yeah. um, so okay, then, so now we that, get some closure, right? Yeah, that was Middle Name Corner, um, a new <laughs> segment on the show. Thank God it's the last one, so you never have to hear it again. Um, so... <laughs> So he's like, the, he's like, the results are back to Cece. And she's like, oh, yes. Like, we figured out what was making me sick, doctor. Because she's thinking that I just, like, had anxiety. And then he goes, well, your intuition was right. You're pregnant. And I wrote breaking all HIPAA, viola- all HIPAA codes in the process by walking right? into a crowded room, asking her name, and then telling her she's pregnant. Um, yelling that she's pregnant. <laughs> and then... Cece and Niles both passed out. It was very cute. Yeah. We then cut to a few days later. And it felt like the appropriate reaction from both of them. Yes. They are ill-equipped. I mean, to be fair, Niles has raised a bunch of kids on his own, own, basically. Yeah. I think he passed out because it was Cece that he had the baby with, and she passed out Mm. because she's not ready for motherhood. That was my Oh, absolutely. Yep, yep. 
Um, and so we go to a few days later, we are now at the airport with Fran Maximo and all of the Sheffield kids. And, you know, like the babies are in their little carriers and they are sending Maggie and Brighton off on a plane for, um, a trip to Europe that summer. Cause it's, yes. we were establishing, we, we already knew that Brighton was going to be traveling around Europe, but you know, she's now like, I'm so happy you're going to be in Europe together. And then Brighton's like, well, I mean, Maggie's only going because Michael has a modeling job in Venice. We're not like, you know, we're not like going together, like kind of yeah. trying to Which like. Which also, like, uh, weren't they moving to Japan like two episodes so, ago because uh, he, that's why they had to get married so quickly. It, in in hmm. my mind, it's like, yeah, yeah, he's like mostly based in Japan, but like he could still grab a gig here or there or something like that. You know, that's what I was thinking. But, but then she, he's basically like, no, we're not going together. It's just, you know, Michael has that job in Venice. And she's like, then why did you beg me to go to France with you? And then he goes, because I'm scared of the Paris people. <laughs> I love Brighton. I, I love, love him. him. Begged love his him. sister to come on. And um, and then he he even was like, he hugs Gracie and he's like, I'm going to email you every day. Unless, of course, I meet a girl, in which case I'll really have no time for you. <laughs> I love that these kids ended up just like basically just fucking off to Europe instead of college. It's a very fitting ending for them. You know, like, like yeah. it's it's perfect. It's the perfect. It's a little off. gap year. It's a little gap year. And yeah, then, um, then they never go back um, to college. Come on. <laughs> I think, I think Brighton will. Brighton is, Brighton do? will go be scared. Brighton will be homesick and realize he misses the comforts of video games and pop tarts. <laughs> Mm, that's probably true. And then he'll just come home and realize like he can just stay in school and just justify living at home for like another eight years if he wants. I think he'll go to Harvard <laughs> and, you know, like get a degree in business or something and, you know, have a pretty yeah. conventional life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just then, like everybody else, just a Harvard business degree. It's <laughs> like your average <laughs> Joe. Um, um, well, and then well, Maxwell goes, I can't believe you're just taking one tiny backpack, Brighton. And then he's like, Dad, I want to rough it. And Fran goes, Yeah, you know, he's only taking two pairs of Ralph Lauren jeans and a Versace belt in his Prada knapsack. <laughs> so they're well aware. They're well aware of yeah. right, what he's like. And yeah. so then they, they, you know, go to board the plane. Um, hey, guess what? But this joke coming up is maybe the funniest joke I've seen. And uh, Elizabeth and I watched the, the, the finale together and like literally laughed out loud at this, at this bit with Fran was, and the flight. Was this, oh, well, there's two things that made me laugh. So basically, you know, they're getting, they're about to get ready to leave, but then we hear over the loudspeaker a voice go, excuse me, a flight 542 to, to Paris is canceled. And then she's like, hang on, I'm going to miss my babies. And then we realize she's somehow commandeered on my, uh, the loudspeaker system. She's trying to, she's trying to cancel, like make them think the flight is canceled so they won't leave her. <laughs> it's so funny, man. I did not see that coming. And I just thought it was the, f I just, the idea of a mother so desperate to keep her children home that she just screams that a flight is canceled in an airport. Yeah. Also, yeah. throw back to a time where you could even get that close to the gate. <laughs> oh my goodness. You Different couldn't even world. do that now. I couldn't even do that joke anymore because you wouldn't get oh. past security uh, at the oh, yeah. beginning of the airport. It's funny. Absolutely different world. Um, yeah. That makes us sound like dinosaurs because that's, you know, over 20 years ago that, that uh, but <laughs> never, never forget. Sleep, never not bring it up. Sleep. <laughs> uh, but so, so um, then as they leave um, to board the plane, they like wave goodbye and then they do a little flash 
back cut to them in the first season as babies. Yeah. The two of them sitting next to each other. They were so little and cute. This and, got me. Um, yeah. And, and then they turn and they leave. And then we kind of slow fade to what is hours later. And Fran is still she is still not moved from her spot. She's like looking at where they left. And Max yeah. is literally like, darling, they've already been in Paris an hour by now. And she goes, huh. And if you got Nicole, <laughs> she instantly turns into a guilt trip Jewish mom. Like, yep. it's, so, it's so funny the way she says it. Like, oh, really? And if you got Nicole, and they walk out. <laughs> um, and then, then we're really wrapping things up like, on a macro level, not just a micro level this week, because we're now back at the mansion and it is all packed up. Like the furniture is gone. There's just a few boxes. We're in the foyer and um, Niles and Cece, they're walking out with their bags um, and they're kind of chatting and, and Gracie, you know, um, walks out too. And Maxwell says goodbye. And then it's just Fran alone in, you know, the, by the front door. And, um, I I want to know did you did you notice that Fran's hair and makeup is kind of more like it was in the first season in this moment? And I was wondering if you thought it was intentional. Oh, like, I didn't clock that at all. Was it? That's cool. Her hair was like like it was sense. Like it was like bigger. Like it, yeah, like, it was like long and very and very wavy. And hmm. um, I don't know. To me, it was a little bit of a throwback to like the OG Fran of season one. Um, and she kind of does this one last look around and, um, she looks in one of the boxes that she's left there and she finds that old, uh, shades of the Orient briefcase that she was using to sell makeup in that first pilot episode, the thing that like brought her to the Sheffield's front door. And then we have this like highlights reel to memories, the song memories from the way we were. I don't think this is Barbara Streisand singing. I should double check. But to me, it, it didn't not. sound like that version. Yeah. It was. And I don't think it was. Yeah. Maybe. Too expensive. Um, and <laughs> they really pulled the great scenes from this show. It was a mix of some very sweet and very funny moments. Um, yeah. And like, you know, the moments where it was like, oh, Fran and Maxwell, like clearly first really falling in love to, you know, like something really goofy that Yetta did and, and all of that. And, um, then oh I have a note I put my notes in red I wrote did you ever see the way we were with Barbara Streisand and Robert Redford No I did not mm. Did you uh, Yeah I Is it good I think it seemed like something that would be boring to me when I was a kid and then I think I just like kind of forgot about it as an adult you know But so, I mean they, I would watch it if is it good you know what? You you have to go into it knowing that, of course, it's made in like the 70s. So there, you know, there's certain things that are a little slower. It's not like the editing is quite the way it would be now. But it is sure. a very interesting story of two people who are very much in love, but who are very different. And why it like, mm. ultimately, they will even like the love is not enough. Because like, and this is where I think you might actually find it interesting. You know, she is an incredibly progressive, like leftist kind of radical in her own way, right? Incredibly interested in like social justice is make, you know, that's her passion. And he is a nice guy, but more apathetic to the world, right? And he oh, he's like, yeah. and they and the thing that constantly they butt heads against and that kind of blows everything up is she's someone who would literally like risk her own safety for her beliefs. And he is oh. someone who's who's very much like, 
what the hell is the point of all this? We're all going to die. Like, can't you just like be happy with like not doing all this stuff, not doing this stuff that could like make someone like, you know, be at a, be at a protest where you could get hurt, blah, blah, blah. He, he's more like, I get it. The world sucks. You know, I wish things were different, but like, why are you making it your problem all the time? Let's just have a nice life together. Um, and is, he's not even like evil or bad or anything. Like he respects her, but they're just very different. And, and she really, really loves him, but like, it's like their journey. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I would watch it. Okay. We, we cut back to that present moment and Fran stands up. She goes to the door, she turns around and she takes one last look around at everything like this, this space that has like, you know, she's been in for the last six years. It completely changed her life. So much has happened you know, from the moment she first knocked on this door to now the moment that she's leaving this place, this space forever. And she leaves, closes the door and there's a beat. And then she walks back in and heads over to the bathroom and opens it and takes, and it takes Yetta's hand because they've forgotten <laughs> Yetta. And so I thought this, this was so cute because I also played this as a very sweet moment between the two of them where Yetta, you know, she's always like pleasantly confused and she's clearly just so happy to see yeah. Fran and they smile at each other and they walk to the door hand in hand. And yep. yet it goes, this is such a beautiful place. So much nicer than the one you had in New York. <laughs> so she clearly thinks they're in Los Angeles now. And I'm actually a little confused. Do you think they're taking Yetta too? Yeah, they're taking everybody. They're taking Yetta. Okay. Yeah, they're taking everyone because Mort and Sylvia – are moving in with them, aren't they? Isn't that the yeah? Plan? Like, well, like they're gonna stay. So where's Yetta like, going? So, I mean, in theory, Yetta could stay in her home, but that seems so cruel. I, I would hope no, they're taking Yetta. Exactly. Yeah, okay. of course they're taking Yetta. And they look, and then you know, she sort of ushers Yetta out, and then she now she comes back one more time. Because, like, when and, you think about it, with it, taking Yetta is not much of a commitment, right? How much longer does that lady have? So, like, you you know. You're only going to yeah, have just, that room in your house taken up for what? Five more years? Maybe 10 oh, if they're lucky? I imagine I imagine they're putting her up in a cushy Beverly Hills retirement community. Yeah. That's probably. what I imagine. She's going to go from yeah, one probably. home to another. Um, mm -hmm. But so now, you know, she sort of ushers Yada out and Fran takes another last look around and they kind of pan the camera out to to show the whole space again. And and they yeah. really let this moment breathe. And she kind of takes a breath in, breath out, and she she walks out one last time. And that is yep. the end of the series. And there's a like loud applause from the audience. And and then the button is a final curtain call. Like we get to see, you know, yeah. you know at the end of every sitcom taping, every single episode, in front of a live yeah. audience, the cast yeah. comes out and, you know, they, they sort of like the end of a play, they get announced and they bow and everyone claps, but this was the last one ever. And, um, we hear them say, you know, you know, introducing, you know, like Daniel Davies as Niles, the Butler and, you know, uh, Lauren Lane as CC Babcock and people, you know, they come out and they cheer. And I realized the announcer was Peter Mark Jacobson. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I totally was like, oh my gosh. So yep. he and he um, was like, you know, announcing everyone. And then the final person, of course, who comes out is Fran Drescher Fran. as yep. Fran Fine. She's holding Chester, of course. Mm -hmm. And she 
takes the microphone and she thanks the audience and the viewers. And it's a really special moment where she says like, it's been a privilege to entertain you. And she's like, you know, you'll, you all will never be forgotten. And this lady in the audience yells out, Oh no, sorry. Fran actually ends with you will long be remembered. And a woman in the audience yells out. And so will you. And then I just wrote, and here we are 25 years later talking about it. Yeah. Wow. I know. Wow, wow, wow. I know. It's really remarkable. We 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 get into that too with with uh Peter of of just the longevity of this show and it really is truly remarkable and I, you know, Fran Drescher, Charles Shaughnessy, Daniel Davis, uh Lauren Lane, Nicole Tom, Benjamin Salisbury, Renee Taylor, Madeline Zima, um you know, the the these were like phenomenal performances from these people they really really were and Mm -hmm. uh and and this kind of longevity for a tv show is is i mean gosh today super rare you know everything gets four seasons and then it's canceled (laughs) yeah and then you know what think about all um like i wish there someone would sit down and do a tally of all the shows in histories that had a pilot that then did not go to air or all of those shows in history that had a, only a first or partial season. And it would yeah. so, so, so far outweigh the, oh my gosh. The, the series that got even to five seasons, let alone six that yeah. like, if you could see like the, the bar graph of that, it would be like a mountain next to a sliver. And so when yeah. you, like the idea that this went for six seasons, it's like, it's actually it's statistically remarkable. incredible and a mm-hmm. testament to, and so, but it's like when you actually land on something that people respond to, it yep. is a lot of magic coming together. Like very, very hard work and talent that makes the magic that comes together. Um, and so, and we don't just, talk hey, about it. <clears throat> We, we don't talk about them enough, but like Prudence Frazier and and Robert Cernan too, the, the the executives that are always credited as developed by, you know, they they had a huge role in this. I mean, as well, and like in like kind of giving Fran and Peter the room to just do the thing, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and to and backing down, you know, over the the few the few things that they had to battle for Fran and and Peter, um, they won those battles because you know, ultimately and, and, and credit to the, the, you know, the, the, the executives involved for, for really having the trust. Cause like this show's great. I mean, I, I really think it's a, I really think it holds up, you know, I really mm-hmm. do. I, I fell in love with this show all over again, having, having watched it and felt very vindicated for having carried a, a affinity for it for so long, you know? Yeah. And one thing that I was thinking about this week, um, because we interviewed Peter Mark Jacobson last week. And all, you listeners, you're all going to hear this coming up shortly after our segments. Um, or maybe you skipped yeah. ahead. Maybe you're already listening. Um, yeah. But but one thing that he um, sort of was candid about was um, the fact that, that he and Fran were separated the last season or mm-hmm. two. And that they really had to sort of show up and like, you know, say quote unquote stay together for the kids the kids being this show because um not only was it like lightning in a bottle like how often does do do you are you even in a position to be leading one of the you know biggest shows on television but but then also the pressure of so many people's jobs 
depend on this show. Like, you know, if, yeah. if you're just like, I'm not, I'm done. I'm not doing it anymore. I don't want to work with this person. Then several hundred people are out of jobs. So, so yeah. like, I'm just like, it's it like a, a miracle too, that with everything that was going on in their personal lives, that this, this continued for as long as it did. And it kept hitting things out of the park and like, um, just like, I was just so impressed. I was like, wow. You know, when I, when I was thinking, like, I was yeah, like in my car, too. just like ruminating on the interview. <laughs> um, where you but- sleep. That's also where you sleep, right? You were falling asleep <laughs> in the backseat. Yeah. I was peeing, I was peeing in a bottle in my car. When- <laughs> um, so, well, no. okay. So on that note, here we go. Are you ready, Toria? The last time mm-hmm. we're ever going to do segments. So are you ready for segments? So all 22 that you made? No. <laughs> Uh, no. no, but I do have a little special surprise. So okay. segments. And now segments. So segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now segments. Segments. Uh with Sean and Toria. <laughs> and now segments. So Segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now, segments. Segments uh, with Sean and Toria. Wow. <laughs> we better was... do a good job because that like hyped me up. <laughs> I know. Wow, wow, wow. I was like, oh shit, we better nail this to the last segment. Uh, <laughs> All right. Because that was Look, hype. <laughs> the last segments ever. All right. Favorite okay. lines and moments. Um, I love that Loman's bit where that's Fran's happy place while she's giving birth yeah. is a price gun in Loman's without anyone else in the store. Also would have been my happy place. I miss Loman <laughs> so much. Now, let me tell you, Marshalls and TJ Maxx do not hold a flame to what the Lomans in New York used to be. <sighs> what a shame. Um, I love that CC said, now Danny, Jennifer, and Howie have a little brother and sister. <laughs> Danny, Jennifer, and Howie. <laughs> um, we already, we, so I, I already called out all of these, but it's just, you know, Brighton saying, because I'm scared of the Paris people, France Paris people. taking yeah. over the loudspeaker at the airport. Yetta at the very end. Um, Yetta saying, don't be scared. Look what came out of me. <laughs> yep. yep. Ah, yep. All of uh, it. Fran, Fran saying, oh my God, she's got my mother's hips is really good. Oh, also, Sylvia, when they first hand the baby to her in the hospital, she goes, oh my God, how precious I could eat him up. And Fran goes, get him away from my mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. I, I, I also love, I, you know, obviously Val fairy. I always wanted to be a fairy godmother. Um, and Fran and Fran canceling the flight 
to try to keep the kids home was also just mm-hmm. mm, mwah, chef's kiss. 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. I, and then for Yiddish, I didn't clock any this this no. episode. But but like it technically, there it was Yenta and Tukas because this was technically yes. part of last week. So Agreed. So there was Yiddish on a That is the official ruling is it it does contain Turkis and Yenta. We checked, we checked what okay. The uh the judges. Yep, okay, they do accept. So uh Nanny Trivia, this is interesting, and it was from IMDB, but you know, the doctor who tells Cece that she's pregnant is played by Gabriel 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 Bologna, who is Renee Taylor's real life son. Whoa. Yeah. So that whole scene had Fran Drescher's real life parents and Renee Taylor's real life son. And and Val's real life children's names. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cute. Very cute. So I cute. love it. 10 out of 10. Oh, 10 out of 10. And then, wow. I guess we have to think expansively on this one because maybe this is like the whole series. Let's do it for the whole series. Who, who did who you identify you? with most? Like out of out of out of this whole series, whose archetype? Fran, Cece, Niles, uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Sheffield, Brighton. You know, yep, the kids. Um, Val. Uh, honestly, <laughs> I feel like it's Val. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I'm just big dumb idiot fumbling through life. <laughs> well, wait. You know what? That reminds me. Another great uh, line or exchange in this episode is um, when Gracie and and Fran are in the, you know, the foyer getting ready to leave at the very end of this episode. Yep. Um, Matt, uh, Gracie goes, you know, I, I actually really miss Brighton. You know, when he when he's around, I guess I just feel so smart. And then Fran goes, <laughs> oh, I know, sweetie. He's your Val. Which <laughs> <laughs> is so cute. Uh, that's great. Um Yeah. No, you're not now. That's silly. No, I guess I'm not now. That's silly. Uh, who do I most like? You know, I, I mean, I I guess it's it's interesting, right? Because it, it's a sort of a co- larger conversation about like TV characters, because like they are all like archetypes, you know. And mm-hmm. I feel like no one's really like all one thing, because like there's elements of everybody, right? Like I I have like the the drive to be creative and produce and all of that that Mr. Sheffield has. I I I love musical theater, you know. Um but 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 at the same time like I heavily identify with like France, you know, Jewish side and and the the East Coast uh uh you know, uh, Jewish upbringing and relationships and all of that and you know, I mean I I I guess really it's a matter of like identifying you know lesser with other characters so i you know i i guess i feel like maybe a mix between fran and and maxwell s- somewhere in there because like i don't i don't really feel like niles i don't think or cc um, really you know what i mean mm. as like character types right uh-huh i i think you know it's funny we always say the fran or the cc i think i'm the fran and the CC. Mm. That's how I feel because I think, um, I think surface level, it's more like Fran stuff in that, um, because I was raised, you know, by East 
Coast, specifically, you know, like East Coast Jewish American women, which is, that's the thing. It's like, you know, there's always, there's different flavors of everything based on like the coast you're from, the country you're from, the this or the that. Yeah. It's not always just a religion, but yeah. Um, there were certain, you know, things that were so relatable to me. Like they all love Lomans. They, you know, their favorite thing in the whole world is just sitting with coffee and coffee cake and talking. And like that kind of, I, I so do relate to that. But I think mm-hmm. on a deeper, more, it's like, hey, I guess it's a, <laughs> it makes total sense actually, because I'm half Jewish and half East Coast Jew, half English, you know, that yeah. the the deeper, probably more emotional dysfunctions that I have are, I can be not super <laughs> in touch with my emotions. And I, sure. be, I, can, I very much as, hey, Sean can probably attest to after years of talking to me every week, <laughs> I get in my own way um, yeah. with uh, spe- right. relationships are kind of like, you know, for a lot of people, they're pretty linear and they just kind of make sense. And, you know, it's not that difficult. Like I somehow am always like, this isn't making sense or what is it? <laughs> and then, and then uh, on a very surface level, I love the idea of pets, but I never really liked the realities much like Chester and CC. <laughs> um, but, but no, I, I really do feel like I'm a marriage uh, of those two worlds. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that we ended every episode of this entire show with like self-analysis. <laughs> every it's episode we are, we're like who are we <laughs> hey i guess that's the jewish side popping out yeah, that's right that's right uh-huh. um, um well so okay so what happens now toria so now everybody normally this is um well we will say goodbye i guess we will end yeah. this episode the way we always do but then stay put Keep your butts yep. in your chairs or pause yes. and come back later, you know, after work, yes. the next time you're in the car. Because take a we pee. have, yeah, take a break. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. have an incredible interview with Peter Mark Jacobson. Yeah. We just had such a delightful time. And, and you know, I just, I, and also, but your listener questions were so great. Um, and his answers were so great. Um, yeah. And so, so buckle in. We, we get a lot of, um, a lot of really fun little facts, like little bits of trivia, and then sort of some like bigger, more in like existential, you know, thoughts or, you know, um, ruminations on creativity and the journey, you know, just life's journey. Um, when you pursue something creative and you're not even sure if it's going to pan out and on all these kinds of things and lessons learned. So, so it's, it's amazing for nanny fans. And even if, you know, you got a buddy in the car with you and they've never seen an episode of the nanny, they'll also probably get something cool out of it. Uh, So stay put. And um, Sean, thanks for listening. Yeah. Thank you you for listening. Yeah. Keep following us on social because we will be doing some fun stuff, you know, coming up. Chef pod everywhere you go. And uh, I guess, you know what that means, Toria? It's time for us to say, Goodbye. Goodbye. We'll meet again. Don't know where. Don't know when. But I know we'll meet again. Some sunny day. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Hopefully, you got your uh, pee breaks, your water breaks. You uh, maybe picked up your kids. Mm, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, mm-hmm. and we are, we are back and this thing, this thing coming up in the next minute is, uh, our interview with Mr. Peter Mark Jacobson, Nanny co-creator, uh, also co-creator of Happily Divorced, also with Fran Drescher, a big, uh, person on, uh, the hit, What I Like About You, you know, integrally mm-hmm. involved in that. A uh, like an expert and master in the field. Um, he's done a lot in a very tough industry, and he knows everything about the nanny. And we asked him your amazing questions, and um, we got a lot of listener questions. And we we tried to do as many as we could. Yeah, and it's wonderful. So so thank you, Peter, a thousand times. And we yeah. hope everybody we hope everybody enjoys. First of all, thank you for doing this interview. Uh, we really appreciate you coming back to talk to us again and and fielding more questions and stuff. Uh, so so thank you, Peter, for being here. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. Um, so yeah. yeah, before we dive into listener questions, I just kind of wanted to talk about season six overall and and leading into a series finale with you. Uh, you know, from a from a creative standpoint, you know. I guess first you directed a lot of episodes this season, including the series finale. So can you talk about like that experience a little bit, some of your, your favorite moments or frustrations or, you know, some of the things you learned maybe along the way? Well, you know, I, I directed a couple the season before mm-hmm. um, the crew used to say to me, um, why don't you direct some of the episodes? And I said, well, I don't really know camera that well. And they said, we'll teach you which I thought was really nice. Wow. And uh, they did. The first one I did was that Whoopi Goldberg show. Um, and then, so, you know, that was like my first uh, time directing. And um, I got to direct such a wonderful actress along with a great cast. And then I did The Wedding, which was a huge show. Um, uh, uh, and then when we were told that we were going to have one season more, I decided... I spoke with everybody and said, you know, I'm, I really enjoy directing and I'd like to direct more once I, this is canceled, once this is finished. And um, uh, so I would like to direct as many as possible in, this, in the last season so that when I walked away from the show, I would be considered a director, a writer, and a producer. Um, and so, yeah, so that's why I did it. Um, and I got to do some, you know, interesting things with uh, the cameras that, uh, like, you know, using jibs and doing, you know, I think my favorite show was um, direct was Yet as Letters because, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, I got to do, you know, I came from musical theater, so um, I got to do theater on television and I never liked the way it was ever done because it always looked like television to me. And I wanted specifically to look like a stage play. And, Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, um, and if you watch it, it's staged and, uh, and choreographed and uh, lit, et cetera, like a proscenium, um, Mm -hmm. which was fun for me to do. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then, you know, at the last minute, Thursday night before we shot on Friday. Everyone loved it so much. They said, why don't you put in a song at the end for Niles? So Mm -hmm. I think it was Frank Lombardi who wrote it that night in the morning. I got it. We gave it uh, that night. We gave it to um, 
Timothy, um, uh, oh, damn, I forgot his last name. Tim, he's the music coordinator. I'm sorry, Tim, I'm going blank. I'm old. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, and um, uh, he, um, he did the music. I got it in the morning. We staged it, uh, costumed it. Um, uh, Roz Kern did the choreography um, uh, and uh, did it that, that evening for everybody. And, um, you know, it was all done in one day. Wow. That's and an incredible came- turnaround. I mean, that's, that's really to, to go from, uh, <laughs> you know, writing a song to, to shooting a song in a day. That's, that's a lot of work involved. While doing the um, entire show. Yeah. No. Oh yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was quite, but it was so much fun. It was like doing summer stock, you know, it was just like um, everybody was chipping in and they, so many people came from doing theater and school and, you know, it was like doing the school play. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, you had a great big budget. And I, so it was exciting. It was fun. Those kind of things are always a rush when you're doing a, when you're doing a, a show. And I think Franklin Barty wrote the, the lyrics and, uh, it was, uh, it was just, Timothy Thompson was the name you were, you were Timothy Thompson. Yep. I'm sorry, Tim. I'm, I had lunch with him <laughs> recently. I just, you know, I just went out of my head. Yes. Who's <laughs> brilliant. He's so, he's so talented. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that was, uh, that was actually a, 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 a side question I had was I, I wanted to ask, uh, who, who wrote the lyrics and music. So you, you answered that. And then, and then as far as, you know, as far as landing a series after six years, um, you know, was there, did you feel pressure at all, uh, in, in that to like, you know, really, really land this, this, this thing or, or were you guys sort of confident and at that point a well-oiled machine and you just said, this is the natural conclusion? Uh, no, because normally we would have ended it with the wedding. Mm-hmm. That would have probably been the end, but because we were given an ultimatum um, that we either wed them in, in season five um, or we'd be canceled um, or we, we would wed them if we if it did extremely well, which it did, we would get another year. Then we had to figure out what that next year was going to be, and um, uh, with them married, because you lose the um, sexual tension, which is what the whole show is built on. Sure, they're now married, so you have to deal with them as a husband and wife, and still find that difference. You know, the the blue blood, blue collar meets blue blood, sure. and um, uh. uh which was, you know, difficult to do. But uh, um, I think, you know, I think, I think we ha- there were some really good shows in there. Oh, yeah. And I think, I think in bringing, you know, Sylvia and Yetta more into the fold gave you that, uh, that blue collar, blue blood, uh, uh, you know, mix. Yeah. So it was, it was always fun when they would, you know, they would, you know, they practically lived there. <laughs> and um, it was just so much fun to do that, where they just actually took over this man's life. But it was everything he was missing. You know, that's why it worked, because he didn't have a family and he lost his wife and he needed that schmaltz in his life. Mm-hmm. He needed somebody to to he needed a family to love him. And um, mm-hmm. and uh, he he was smart enough to know that eventually yeah. yeah it was yeah and um 
I just wanted to say it was uh, one of my favorite parts of season six overall was very much tied into the directing. And Sean and I talked about this a lot this season. There, there was a lot of homage where like, like, you know, even in the premiere when it's sort of the romance novel, Fabio, you mm-hmm. know, they, at the one point I think Brandon and Maxwell, like they fall backwards and, and we see them obscured by a fire and it felt like a soap opera. And then I think, you know, we, we've definitely talked about um, that became like a heightened part of it. Um, and yeah. and it was it was very cool. It seemed like you had... I don't know if it was the creative liberty or if you just by that point of, or if, you know, I don't know. It, it wasn't really done in other shows. It felt like to this degree. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure I'm, I'm assuming that was all very intentional and just maybe tied into your personal taste and what you knew would be funny instinctively. Cause um, like, we really loved that part of this season and it, it, it was just so much a bigger part of it, you know, than previous ones. You know, the show, I think, was the last television show done on videotape. And um, uh, shows like Friends were being done on film um, at that time. And we were like the last one on CBS being done on videotape. (laughs) So there were certain things you could do and couldn't do. And, you know, someone once said to me, you know, the wedding looked like a soap opera. Um, it didn't look like the other shows. And I said, but that was Fran's dream of what a wedding would be like, would be, uh, you know, like if she got married on the young and the restless, um, <laughs> that's over the top star filters all over. So everything's glittering, yeah. um, you know, a huge million dollar gown. Um, uh, uh, and then yet, you know, at the, at, but yet, you know, people complaining that their food was cold. So yeah. where that was the, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the queen's element of it. But in her head, she didn't have the taste of a, um, of a, you know, of a fine, fine wedding. It was over the top. Mm-hmm. It was, mm-hmm. it was that she dreamed herself as Nikki Newman on the young, the restless getting married. And, you know, everything was, um, a bigger than life. Yeah. And, uh, as the set was bigger than life, it all was sort of like a musical without music, uh, the entire series. Um, it, um, it, uh, uh, the set was bigger than life. The costumes were bigger than life. We tried to explain it in a way with having Todd Oldham, you know, it's her cousin and, uh, um, and things <laughs> yes. like that. Or she shop at Lomans, but everything was, um, heightened. And yeah. uh, the makeup, that, the hair, the everything that comes across. I mean, you, your yeah. your Broadway influence uh, uh, and 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 adoration definitely comes across, and is one of my favorite parts of the show because I'm also I grew up a musical theater kid as well, and and so you know that that's the the uh, the endless jabs at Andrew Lloyd Webber never get old to me, and and remain relevant <laughs> uh, to this day. So, <laughs> so Toria, do well, you, you know, yeah. No, I was just going to say, I think it's always good when you do a series or something like that to have a very specific look so yeah. that it doesn't look like every other show. Cause most of them look the same and uh, this didn't. And um, uh, that was purposeful and uh, things like the fire and things like that was like a romance novel. 
Yeah. That's how she would have seen it, probably. Um, you know, walking out in from the ocean uh, um, after they, you know, fell off the boat uh, in high heels. You know, <laughs> she wasn't going to let them go. Uh-huh. Uh, that wasn't, you know, that was heightened. You know, of course, you know that probably would not have happened. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, it's the, you got to think of the character and what what would this character. She never really fit. You know, she was always a girl from Queens in the end. And, you know, she was not going to let those expensive shoes go. Yeah. Just in case she, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, you found the joke in it. But it, it was it was always rooted in a kind of rea- a heightened reality. Yeah. Well, the show was true to the character. And it, and it was very much felt uh, almost filtered through her lens at all times, which was which was great. Yeah. Um, so, okay, yeah. Toria, should we... We should dive into the listener yeah. questions because we're here for the listeners. We've already had our chance to, to sort of poke at at, at the mind here, uh, uh, this creative mind. But the, we have a lot of listeners that are such wonderful people and huge, huge, huge fans, even bigger fans than us, honestly, of the show. So, uh, Toria, why don't you start off with a couple of these questions? Sure. And, uh, you know, of course, we we couldn't get all of the questions in and and these are going to run the gamut of fun and light to more in-depth, but we'll just kind of get into it and see where we go. Um, try to be respectful of Peter's time again, because there's a lot of questions. Um, so, OK, here's a, here's an easy one to start us off. Ari Murphy 24 says, what is Niles's full name? There's a lot of chatter on the Internet, by the way, about Niles's <laughs> real na- full name. <laughs> it's Niles. The butler. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. We even discovered a Reddit conspiracy where someone was convinced they had found his full name somewhere. Yep. <laughs> okay. I don't think we ever gave him. I really don't think we ever gave him a real name. It was, uh, in fact, there was a joke that he says it's, you know, Niles, like Cher. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just <laughs> one word, one name. And, and it was funny because on that same week, the Niles on Frasier, did the exact same joke just, just <laughs> by chance, and uh, uh, he said Niles like share, and it was it was like wow that was so weird. Um, uh, but uh, we never we never really had a full name for him. No, I don't think. So along uh, the, the same lines w- w- was the was the CC reveal in the finale. Uh, uh, was that a name you guys always had in your pocket, or was that like ah hey, this will be funny? Let's just give CC a very silly name. I think the uh, the who, I think it was Karen Lucas who wrote it, or um, um, and I think I think that I don't, know, I don't remember if it was Karen Lucas. I'm not sure. It was, um, yeah. Uh, oh yes, mm-hmm. I, I think she made it up. I think it, it was her original joke, and uh, but we no, we did not call her that. From we didn't have a full name for her. Interesting. Cool. It's such a good name for Cece. Yeah, it's, it's so oh, funny. It's so funny. <laughs> um, and then, yeah. um, you know, okay, R.A. Murphy also uh, asks, was there an episode that you or Fran wanted to do that wasn't made, like maybe denied by the network, time constraints? Hmm. I don't think so. Uh, you know, the network, once we became a hit, uh, they kind of leave you alone. And uh, whatever you kind of want to do, they are okay with. They'll give their notes. but um, And then once the ratings start to go down, then they start telling you what they think should be fixed, which, you know, like getting them married. 
which was not the not a great <laughs> note, uh, you know. But what are you going to do? It's like that, or get you know, or get an extra year and uh, you know keep everybody employed. Sure. Um, so, you know, it's it's the cardinal rule that you don't do that. But they a lot of people uh, don't understand uh, writing or 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 that don't don't understand that arc a show or, or they, it's just ratings for them. Whatever it was last week is as good as it is for them. It mm-hmm. seems. But uh, so a lot of times you're fighting against that kind of that kind of mentality, which you know, long were the days where um, Seinfeld, which ran for three years before anybody watched it, they'd let mm-hmm. that show ran for th- run for three years because the the head of the network knew he had something special. Yeah, And we were very lucky because in the beginning we had a network executives that knew they had something special too. Uh, that was uh, something different and uh, maybe ahead of its time in some areas. Um, and he kept saying to the, the people to hold on to this show because this is going to be a hit. Yeah. And uh, that was Jeff Zaganski. And, um, and then they, then new people came in and you know, they want to bring their own stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's see. Oh, you know, I'm skipping around a bit, but we're going to get to all of them. Uh, okay. Catalina writes, was it weird being married to someone who was playing a character with a weekly growing romance with believable chemistry? So I guess, Hi, I guess your question is, is it, is it, was it strange directing your wife who's, you know, falling in love with a camera? You know, uh, not really, because, you know, uh, you, the people that watch television, they just see the end result and they're just seeing these characters, you know, they're not, they're, they're not, you know, Charlie had a wife and children and <laughs> they were there all the time. And, and, uh, Fran and I were actually, you know, through most of the, for the last couple of years were separated and going through a divorce, uh, not divorce, but a separation. That was probably the hardest thing. Uh, mm. to go through and, and work with each other every day, but we did it professionally and, uh, and, uh, but it was hard sometimes, um, because we're human and, uh, you know, uh, you, you got a lot of stuff going on, yeah. but as our manager, Elaine Rich said, you know, this is your baby and you've worked so hard. You've got to learn how to, uh, work through it. You yeah, can't, you, you, you can't. You stay together for the kids, right? Exactly. Yeah. So we, we did, and we worked together every day and, you know, 20 hours a day or whatever it was, you know, and uh, time, sometimes it was very tough and sometimes it was easier. And, uh, you know, and then when that ended, it was, you know, they, uh, when the show ended that last episode, after that curtain call, basically, um, there was a, party the next night and then i moved to new york um mm-hmm. to start a new life and uh she moved uh you know she and we kind of hadn't didn't speak to each other for many 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 months after that mm-hmm. I'm, um there's an well i mean listen that's it's i think i think it's understandable the the separation afterwards you know that you you it's 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 a really emotional thing to work on a TV show anyway. I think a lot of people don't understand how much emotion gets gets you know uh, just brought up in the daily in the day to day. 
and 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 how much people pour into a thing. And so then when a thing is ending, emotions are already high. So to add, you know, separation and personal stuff and all of that, it, it is really commendable that you guys were able to to put together, you know, such a beautiful show and and really work Thank through you. that. Uh, it, it really is. And and I'll also say, you know, to to another point you brought up, you know, yes, the network didn't understand what they were doing. Um, but there is a, a freedom that I feel like you have in season six that leads to like a lot of outside of the box stuff that really makes this yeah. season shine in, in a really unique way. So it it's almost, you know, uh, uh, serendipitous in a way that, that you ended up exactly where you ended up. Cause I think it worked out. Yeah, I do too. You know, things happen for a reason and you, you know, the universe pushed us to that direction and, uh, and we followed it through. We did the best, you know, I think there's some great episodes in that, 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 uh, season. And, um, you know, uh, we, and we, I, I was, I was happy with it. Yes. And yes, it's, you know, we were a family for six years, uh, or more with the pilot. And, um, you know, it's very sad when that ends, as you can see in that curtain call, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that was it basically, uh, the last time that show was going to be, you know, on that stage. And I remember, I think I came in the next day to get my, um, stuff out of my office. And, uh, because, you know, people don't realize that all that stuff is rented. Yeah. And then the second the show is over. It's so fast. Or <laughs> that next day, everything's out of that soundstage. Yeah. And you saw, I remember seeing pieces of the kitchen wallpaper, I think it was, <laughs> being, you know, being uh, taken out. And, uh, and you look on the stage and it's all gone. And then the next day, something new is in there. And, uh, um, uh, you know, they work around the clock to um, uh, all night long to get rid, to get it out so the next show can come in. And, uh, and it's just been a memory. It's a, it's a, a very strange feeling when you look at those sound stages and, and it's all gone when you're used to seeing the set in there every day. It is very unceremonious. I worked, I worked on a show and, and we had a very similar, you know, the show ended and then it was the next day we went in to get stuff and it was like, oh, okay, well, that's it. I guess we're moving on very quick. There was no like, yeah. it was yeah. like, that's it. People were in there just ripping stuff down. Yeah, it's shocking. <laughs> yeah, I just said this. Yeah, the, the other day to a friend, I said, you know, this industry is very specifically designed to be a, a test to emotional and psychological well-being sometimes <laughs> you know it's yeah you know it's show business yeah you know? that's the business side <laughs> that's of right. it and uh mm -hmm. it's, it's 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 very strange very very strange and then yep. you you know you go work on these sound stages and you see the list of shows or things that were made on that sound stage and it's it's crazy yeah well, I, well so, again, so yeah Speaking of the business side, uh, you know, that's Tucker's mom uh, wanted to know, um, how did you get into the business aspect of, of, of show business? How did you go? She asks, she says, how did you go from Queens to Hollywood? Well, Tucker's mom, <laughs> it's a, it's a, I was six or seven years old and going to day camp. And I didn't want to go swimming one day because somebody pooped in the pool 
and I didn't want to go in it. So they made me sit out. And while I was sitting out, uh, someone came over to me and said, hey, do you like pudding? And I said, yeah, I do. And they said, well, they're filming people eating pudding. Would you do that? And I said, yeah, because I wanted I wanted to eat pudding. So they filmed me eating jello pudding and uh, in this room. And I went home like every other day and they called my mother and they said, hey, listen, we filmed your kid eating pudding and we're an advertising agency and we want to make a commercial out of it for jello and with Bill Cosby. And you don't have to do anything. It's already filmed. Uh, but just give permission. And so my parents went down, I guess, to the ad agency to see it. And uh, they gave them permission. And I got to do my first, that was my first commercial at six years old. They said, you should, I guess I was an outgoing kid because they said, you should put your kid in commercials. And they said, and she said, no, when he's 18, if he wants to do it, that's his business. But I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a stage mom and I'm not going to, you know, bring my kid all around to do that. So, you know, I did that. And then years later, um, when I was 18, I was 15, I'm sorry, or 18, uh, my mother and uh, I, I was dating Fran and we both, a good way to get into tel- commer- uh, the show business is when you're a kid is to do commercials. Uh, you learn a lot and um, uh, you, make a, you make good money. So my mother had run into a manager who handled kids. And um, the manager decided to handle Fran and I, and we started doing TV commercials. And that's how we got into it. And um, then Fran got a movie, a Saturday Night Fever, and then another movie that took her to L.A. And then I came to L.A. I was doing a commercial with Steven Weber at the time. It was funny. Uh, who eventually ended up playing her husband in something. And uh, and I, um, we both moved to L.A. and little by little started working and um, always started, and I started writing and she started writing and we always wanted to do our own sitcom. We were, we, when we were kids, we'd watch it on television like I Love Lucy and things like that and and mm-hmm. Fran's mother used to say, why can't you just watch it and stop critiquing what you think it should be? <laughs> and uh, and uh, she said, I remember one day she said, we'd, we'd be talking about it nonstop, what we would do on this sitcom or that sitcom. And uh, she said, oh, God, if you could only make a living doing this. Mm-hmm. And um, years later, Fran had done a pilot and it it didn't go and she knew that they were making big mistakes while we were doing it. And she said, you know, I don't want to do this anymore unless I'm a producer. And, um, because I, it's too hard. And, um, that's when, that's when she thought of the concept for the nanny and pitched it to me. And then I said, Hey, what if we make them a Broadway producer? And, um, we pitched it and that's how it all began. Wow. 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 I mean, it's funny because when, when things get described to you, I think we talked about this the last time you were on, it sounds so like linear as if, you know, it always was expected that it would happen. But I know in, in, in real life, it's like, you know, you don't know what's coming around the corner. So, so no. the, 
these are all big risks, you know, I think for maybe listeners out there that don't work in entertainment, like, you know, moving out to LA, like you, it's a big question mark. You know, you have no idea if you or some, you know, are, are going to be making a living doing it. So, um, it's, no, it's and we pretty, did it sometimes. It was, you yeah. know, 15 years in the making. It wasn't like it happened overnight. It was many jobs, many disappointments, yep. many almost, many meetings, <laughs> many, many, you know, uh, uh, written pilots mm-hmm. about, you know, other things. Um, you know, I did a pilot with Dan Aykroyd, um, uh, who happened to love an idea that I came up with. Um, and he sold it and he starred in it. And, uh, I, um, it was the same season as the nanny. Um, and I, you know, and it got picked up and then the nanny got picked up and I really wanted to do the nanny more than the other show. And for some reason that show, um, fell apart in the last minute. And hmm. if not, I that I would have been doing that show because that would have been my first uh, my first. Um, but 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 if it wasn't for Dan, he he made me an executive producer on my first thing out because I came out with it, and he you know helped me. He he insisted that I do that, and that started my career. What was that show and, about? Uh, it was called CCPD, and it was a uh, remember that show Cops? Yeah. It was 10 years before cops. It was cops, basically. It was a, uh, it was a spoof on those reality cop shows. And, awesome. um, uh, uh, well, 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 cops was the real thing. Uh, it was, what was the um, other one that they did that was a spoof of cops? That was very funny. Uh, Reno 911. Reno 911, yeah. Yes. yes, this was way before Reno 911, as I remember. And it was the same thing. It was the Chula Vista Police Department. And he was the head of the police department. And he was you know, uh, solving crimes like, you know, um, uh, there were two gay men fighting over what color couch, uh, (laughs) should be placed and the angle and the policeman came in and he told them to put the couch on the angle Uh and it says, Oh, that's an interesting way to go. And, you know, they, they, they would solve prompts like that or, uh, a, a, a man dressed up as a cat at a at a um, kid's birthday party took over the party because uh, he insisted, you know, that he get an audition for 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 cast or something like that. You know, it was, he, that but they awesome. treated it very seriously. It was very funny. That's great. That's and, you uh, basically had Reno nine one one before Reno nine one one. It's that's that's yeah. fantastic. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. I would love to read that pilot. Yeah. I'm sure it's a fantastic pilot. And yeah. Dan Aykroyd's great. Uh, uh, that era, Dan Aykroyd, would have been, I'm sure, hysterical. Yeah, and uh, he was the star of it, and he was really funny. And uh, he actually, you know, got me that credit, which uh, got me the credit on the uh, on the nanny. That's really. I didn't cool. have mm-hmm. to start as a, you know, a, uh, so yeah. I mean, you know, things happen for a reason sometimes, or like, always, I guess. Yeah, uh, always. And I was very lucky, you know, and we were very lucky that the nanny was sort of like this kind of little engine that could. Um, and uh, uh, and then Bill lives on 30 years later, more popular than it was then. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. That well, that's uh, another question someone had was was it was Jelly Jelly Yo wanted to know, <laughs> did you ever expect to still be talking about the nanny in 2024? And what does it feel like to still have a piece of work that has such an active fan base who continues to celebrate the show? So so I guess talk on talk about that for a little bit. That's a huge accomplishment, honestly. Well, thank you, uh, Jellyo. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, when we made it, we made it exactly the way we wanted to do it. And we were naive enough not to question our choices. But, um, you know, I don't know if today I'd have the nerve to do Yiddish on national on television, mm. uh, thinking that nobody's going to want to see it. Mm. Or, uh, you know, we dressed her in a certain way when the network fought us against it. They wanted her in jeans and T-shirts. And mm. uh, we said no. Uh, it was the studio. I'm sorry. Uh, that's going to be one of the characters in the show. are going to be the costumes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then, you know, she was on the worst dress list and now the costumes are considered the most breakout mm-hmm. costumes, you know, in <laughs> television history mm-hmm. um, uh, that are still people are imitating and talking about and have, have um, Instagram sites about them. And, you know, they're doing now a, a, a nanny exhibit that is traveling all over the world uh, of all the costumes. And um, mm-hmm. uh, so what feels great is that our instincts were right. Even though every people were saying, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Um, like Barbara Streisand song, you know, uh, everybody says, don't, everybody says, don't. Um, <laughs> and sometimes so, and it's like, uh, you've got to believe in your vision of what it is because it, everybody has their own vision and they keep trying to change your vision to be their vision. Yeah. So stay, stay true to it because, you know, they wanted her to be Italian and it's like, no, that, that's no. wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's like if we listened to all these people, it would have been a totally different show and probably people would not have been talking about it 30 years later. You know, it's, there are many articles out there about how this show was kind of overlooked in its time as something that the humor still stands up. The, um, we weren't, we didn't, we didn't, um, you know, we didn't have those jokes really, uh, like the gay jokes of like, if, uh, two guys were touching each other on the shoulders and then they all, all of a sudden act all macho, like, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. shows did, mm-hmm. oh, I can't, I can't touch you. We didn't treat anything like that. We treated gay, um, characters as though they were, as they are just part of society. Yep. Um, they just happened to be gay. It was not, you know, it wasn't that kind of a thing where, you know, uh, many articles and shows that look, look back at the show and say, wow, the show is majorly ahead of its time. Yeah. That it still holds up. Or, you know, in certain areas, uh, it wasn't. We, you know, there, uh, there were there are areas that I would change now if I could. Sure. But they were, for 30 years ago, you know, uh, it was it was really ahead of its time. If you, if you think yeah. about it. And I think that's, that's what people, that's why I think it holds up today. Um, you know, it, it, people, um, the, the humor, everyone, you didn't have to be Jewish. Everyone has in their, 
in their culture, a mama like Sylvia mm-hmm. um, <laughs> uh, or an aunt like Sylvia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, the, you know, that's why people can relate to it. It was just, you know, well, it was all based on love, you know, and I think that's, that's why. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree. Um, uh, yeah, and um, actually, you know, that kind of relates to one of the, the questions that uh, uh, one of our listeners had, Zone's poet, Zon's poet, unsure. She, she or he, I am or actually unsure, um, but they wrote, I would love to know if Niles and Cece were deliberately queer-coded. As a queer person myself, I just love their dynamic. Um, and I guess they're referring to how, you know, Cece had a lot of times the more masculine energy and would dip Niles and um, all of that, you know, I don't, um, that really fun dynamic between them. I think that they were, I don't think they were queer coded. I think they were, um, you know, Niles was, Niles was the, you know, <clears throat> the all knowing from the day one, he knew that when Fran walked into that door, that was the woman for Maxwell. And that was his intention through the entire series and knew that Cece was not. And no matter what she was doing, he saw right through it. And, um, you know, they developed, and, and he had that very acerbic uh, humor, which I guess, you know, maybe identified as uh, kind of bitchy gay humor sometimes. Um, uh, and she... Uh, she did have a very masculine energy, um, but it wasn't done. It was done. Um, I think it became more that after we, after she came to spoke to the writers and said, you know what? He keeps zinging me, which is fine. It's funny. I love it. But I need to zing him back mm-hmm. so that there's a back and forth. Now, of course, the writers, we didn't want to do that because that's double the work. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's uh, coming up with those lines it took forever. And um, uh, then to come, come up with lines for her to come back with him sometimes, it was like, oh, God. Yep. Um, but she was right. And I think that's what gave her those that edge. And, uh, you know, she was tough. And she had to be to put up with you know, him, but they be, but, but it was kind of like a, kind of like a sadistic, they kind of enjoyed it, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, um, they, it was kind of play to them. That's, that was their relationship. They, they love, you love to hate each other. And, um, uh, they both enjoyed it to the point where we figured, you know, this is where we'll end it, which, of course, I said, uh, if I had to do again, I would not, but have gotten them married, mm. but um, gone a different direction. But, uh, um, you know, we, we tied it up that way. But I, I, that was that that was a mistake on my part, I thought. Mm. Did you is that something you pushed for at the time and now you, you regret pushing for that? It wasn't really a push. It was just sort of like. Um, trying to tie it up mm, find mm-hmm. what, 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 what was going to be with these two characters. We're we just going to leave them um, exactly the way they were. Um, or 
you know, would we say, you know, like children who throw it, you know, things at each other who actually love each other. Um, I, I mean, there were some beautiful scenes, like the scene where she, he says, you're going to end up alone, uh, mm-hmm. an old woman alone. And which was a very sweet, good scene where he, she did realize that she was going after, you know, somebody who didn't, you know, didn't return the feelings. Yeah. Even after he was married. Yeah. And, and here's somebody that she actually enjoyed being with, even though it was a sick kind of you know, relationship. <laughs> um, but they, they had their, they had their, um, they had their communication. They had their moments. They had, they did enjoy each other. Uh, but uh, I think eventually, you know, and, and then it was sort of like, maybe I should give this a try. I mean, if we did a reboot, I would have them divorced. And 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 <laughs> Niall's question: Who would have known that this wouldn't have worked out? You know, <laughs> where everybody would have known that. You know, and uh, and the two of them still fighting with each other like that. And you know, but they have a kid too, which would be interesting. Yes, I was um, just going to say, you know. but they have to be co-parenting through that because that's very fun. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I so. Love that. So, you know, that would that would be a, a fun, a fun, uh, a fun way to go with that. So, no, it wasn't really planned uh, it, because, you know, we didn't really plan on ending it. So best way. So we had to find a new way of 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 ending the show where normally it would have been the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think there's no you know, there's there's n- no win-win with ending a series. Someone's going to be unhappy no matter what you do. And, um, you know, I can say that, that Sean, you know, Sean and I both got very choked up when we we watched the finale <laughs> recently. So, so there was definitely, um, and hey, maybe it's because we have so much emotionally now invested in all of this <laughs> in our life. But, but um, it it did hit home, you know regardless you know like when Fran looks at that um looks at the living room and the empty foyer you know the empty entranceway and goes and gets Yetta and and you know I like I was very moved so so you know I even if you're saying oh there's things I would have done differently like there was stuff that just did land very authentically and so uh I don't, you know, I'll, I'll be curious maybe what our listeners think. I'm sure they'll all have a million opinions, all different ways um, when we get to that episode. Um, but, um, oh, I was going to circle back just to uh, to that that question. So it it sounds like from Zones Poet that um, Niles and Cece, you were just kind of, there was no, in- it wasn't intentional masculine, feminine energy, this or that. It was just authentically who they were, which I think is is kind of a really nice, answer as well you know yeah, yeah. um and yeah, then I, I don't think oh yeah no i was just gonna say the 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 most intentional thing there was when when cc came to visit the writers and said you you got to give me my my ability to zap him back or it's going to get boring because yeah. i have no reaction and she was absolutely right and as hard as it was uh, you know, they became the Bickersons that constantly fought. Mm-hmm. They were Fred and Ethel, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that's, 
uh, they, that was their relationship Two people that, you know, that really enjoyed the, enjoyed the fight and, um, and, uh, you know, and Niles, she gave it back as good as he gave it. And that was what, Mm -hmm. you know, people loved that. And, uh, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't intentional, uh, um, that she was more masculine. Um, and then you you answered this with Niles and Cece, but so Teresa two, seven, nine, eight says, where would you see these characters in 2024? And she actually said, yeah, like I said, I think they would probably be divorced. Fran would now be, you know, probably trying to find herself as a woman uh, in 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 uh, her kids are all out of the house now, and you know, you, a couple now with their children gone, who is hired as a nanny, I think is an interesting, you know, what who are the couple now to each other? Um, uh, that that aspect is always fun too find out um what does she want to do with her life uh you know um does she want you know does she want to do something professionally herself what kind of mark does she want to leave now that the kids are in you know that's probably where i would see them at that point um you know but you know we have i can't talk about a lot of it because in case the show does go into a reboot oh um, yes. You know, okay. Of course. Then I, I can't. I can't really spill the beans now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. For sure. Uh, oh, that's exciting, though. That's a. That's an exciting. There's no, tidbit. There's, there's in, no in talk the of it, but I'm just saying in case. Okay. Okay. Well, and then okay, a couple um, fun ones. Um, who was your favorite guest star? Oh, this is from La Petite Sparks. So, was who was your favorite guest star, and also who was your most the the most unexpected fan you've encountered of the show. Um. Oh God, there were so many guest stars. God, I'd have to say, I guess Elizabeth Taylor. Mm. I mean, you know, she was like one of the biggest movie stars in the world, and there she was sitting on our couch. And I remember being there. We filmed that on a Saturday, I think with a special audience. And I remember just sitting there staring at her. She's just sitting there with everybody staring at her, thinking to myself, this is like the most famous woman in the world. And she's on our sitcom from what I, me and Fran dreamed about doing when we were you know, 15 years old. How the hell did that happen? And uh, <laughs> I just, when your dreams come true and, and being so grateful, uh, she was fantastic. Elton John was fantastic. Uh, they all were. I mean, there were so many big stars on that show uh, at the time, wanting yeah. to do it or did it. Or um, We really had a roster. Whoopi Goldberg was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you guys... <clears throat> I-, I feel like you guys had such an amazing well of cameos and you had like the mechanism within the show to do it without it feeling forced uh and 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 it's really impressive (laughs) the the, like the the breadth of of celebrities especially 
for where they were at the time. Uh, you know, exactly. I mean, Whoopi Goldberg's at like the height of you know comic relief and 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 all of these things, right? It was really, oh, yeah. really impressive. Um, also, the Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, the the Elizabeth Taylor episode it has I one of our all time favorite lines in Nanny history, which is when Sylvia is bowing, <laughs> she says. You have bestowed an honor. I think it was like, you have bestowed an honor upon me, which is unparalleled in my universe. <laughs> I love that scene. I, I could watch that scene over and over oh. again. She was so funny. It's so funny. She was so funny in that. <laughs> and then I don't know if I ever told you this story. You know, she took a, a, a picture with Elizabeth and, um, um, uh, and um, she called the publicist, Renee, and said, I'd like to get a copy of that picture. And they said, well, it will only be released if you pay for Elizabeth's retouching for the picture. Oh and Renee said, well, how much is that? They said, well, it's $250 for the retouch. And she said, well, I'll give you 500 And whatever you give Liz, give me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We got to find that picture. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, um, I, it's uh, I mean, she's, you know, she's. Renee is so funny and uh, uh, such a good friend. She's great. And uh, there were so many, uh, so many, so many big stars on that show. Um, a lot of soap opera stars. But, mm -hmm. you know, people like, I know you guys didn't know really who Lynn Redgrave was, but she was an Academy Award winning actress. Yeah. Uh, very well respected who, um, you know, that we got on a sitcom. And, um, uh, you know, they, people wanted to work with Fran, I think, too. Um, because she had come from Spinal Tap and, you know, some really cool movies. Yeah. Um, but, uh, well, yeah, people, was, I think, forget, too, you know, it, TV was not what it is now then. It, was, it, it wasn't like, oh, a movie star is going to go do a TV show. Cool, you know, neat. It was like, oh, why? You know, you were, everyone was like, I want to be on TV so I can get into the movies. So, yeah, I think having you know, Aykroyd and, and, and movie stars uh, cameo on the show was also something that was fairly unique for your show at the time. Yeah. And for we that, had for Rosie the... O'Donnell. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. She was huge at that time, Rosie. <laughs> yeah. You know, she, Rose, Rosie is a very, very generous, wonderful woman. She's really a great friend. And, uh, you know, I, I tell this story way, way after the nanny, I, she, Rosie was in a Broadway show and doing that her her talk show, which was like the biggest show on television. And I had written a movie with a friend and uh, Michael Scalisi, and uh, we wanted her for a part in it. So I called her, and uh, or Fran called her, I think, and said, uh, "Peter has a part in this movie for you. Would you look at it?" Scarlett Johansson was set for the lead, and. Um, he said, drop it off at the theater and I'll look at it. Now, I thought she'll never read it for months because she's so busy doing that in the show. And uh, I went backstage and I gave it to her and there were people back there. I, she was very nice and left. And um, I figured I'd never hear anything for months. The next day, I think it was, or two days later, I heard from her. <laughs> I love the movie. I'm in. My agents are going to ask for too much money. Don't worry. I'll do it anyway. <laughs> oh, my God. And, that was the type of friend that she is. And uh, this is in between doing her talk show and the Broadway show at the same time. Wow. And, uh, and um, but, you know, she's a great lady. She really is a wonderful, wonderful uh, woman.
That's oh, really wow. Cool. I love that story. Yeah. I love that. Um, and then, oh, oh, the uh, a most the most unexpected fan. Yeah. What is the most you know, unexpected uh, fan uh, encounter? I, I yeah, I was walking across in in New York City about a year or so ago, and I was just walking across the street, and a cab was pulling up, and somebody runs out of the cab towards me. And I've, you know, I have no idea what this woman is doing. And she says, can I have a picture with you? I love your show. And, um, I, I was like, you know, it was bizarre because we were like, you know, traffic is coming and it's like, yeah, take a picture. <laughs> and, uh, and she got back in the cab and, and left. And, uh, wow. um, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's funny how people, I, I always surprised when people recognize me, um, uh, when I'm with Fran, I get it because you know sure. everyone you know knows who she is. But I, I'm always surprised when I'm recognized or uh, people come up and they those are always they're fun though. It's always fun when people are nice and um, it's our pleasure to uh, take a picture and thank them for all their support. Well, if if that fan <laughs> listens to this show, please post that picture for us to see <laughs> of you and, <laughs> yeah, <I never laughs> and Peter in, in traffic. Exactly. Let's see it. Um, yeah, that's funny. Um, that is really funny. Um, and okay, I'm on trying to again. I know we're getting close to an hour. I don't want to. I don't want to keep you for too long. So I'm scrolling through the. Oh, questions. that's okay. You know oh, what was great. really okay. another funny, another funny fan thing? We were in. Um, where were we in Africa? Oh wow! And um, and um, we went on the safari in Africa, and one of the people that lived there, uh, uh, you know on the the safari land uh, where we were at um and uh, i forgot where it was um but uh it was somewhere in south africa um botswana uh you know he's sitting there and it's like banani (laughs) 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 the middle of in the middle of the bush wow you know yeah it was crazy it's like you know um people love that show it's just uh um it's uh, lovely. It's so nice to to hear from people that that, that they were so they're so still so supportive. Thirty years later, walking down the street, it's amazing that uh, <laughs> um, people are still into this show. That's crazy. crazy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it, I think the show is you know we look we just watched the entire series and it and it it works. I mean, it works. It's a great show. It really holds up. I watched it a lot of it with my wife who had never really seen that much of it and she enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, it just works. So I, I think, I think there's something real special here. I think those, those early executives that sort of knew it and, and tried to push it on the rest of the network and stuff. I think, I think knew exactly what they were doing. And I think you guys, uh, also, you know, I mean, clearly had a very clear, uh, vision for what this was and you stuck to your guns and i think it it worked it paid off so well you know i tell you i i usually um one thing that i happen to be good at i'm not trying to blow my own horn here it's just as i you know i knew fran was a television star the moment i met her and i said you know i saw it and i knew it and um when everybody else was trying to get her to change her voice i was like no that's what's going to make her who she is mm-hmm. that don't, you know, why are you trying to make her like everybody else? This is what, you know, if you look at all the special 
the women that are big stars, they're all very, very unique um, mm-hmm. uh, on television, you know, um, or, or, or many of them that are stars of television shows, Roseanne, Fran, uh, Brett Butler, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, all these uh, women that have very special, unique voices, personalities, they're un- unapologetic and they're, you know, you may love it or not love it, but that's who they are. And yeah. that's who they, you know, should be the same thing with the costumes, you know, uh, make them look like everybody else's show. And it's like, no, people are going to want to tune in. Just some people are going to tune in just to watch, to see what she's wearing. I never understood why people didn't get that, but it's still happening in television today. You walk in and, you know, they, they don't get it a lot of the times. And you're thinking, I think you're missing the point here. And then you see things that they pick up and you're like, that's what you picked up. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, and, and then, well, yeah. go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, and, and you, you're wondering, um, it's so bland the show it's there's nothing special about it it's okay uh, you know and then some of them are you know brilliant of course but, but sure. a lot of the comedies today i find they're just kind of like not they're not special there's nothing unique about them some there are but not a lot of them and that's why there aren't a lot of comedies on television anymore mm-hmm Especially, especially these, these, this style, you know, the uh, sitcom, the three camera, you know, sitcom and that, that is very rare. And I do think that, you know, there are a lot of shows that kind of, yeah, they kind of just fall into a mold and then just churn them out. And there's not, it doesn't seem like there's, you know, you guys had a, a, you know, again, a passion for like telling a very specific story in a specific world, and you saw it very clearly, and you just wanted to get that out. And I feel like a lot of stuff now is is maybe not it not driven by the same kind of of desires. Yes, I, I agree. Yeah. I think, and it was the same thing with Roseanne's show. You know, yeah. it had a very specific eye, mm-hmm. it had a very specific uh, take. Yeah. The dialogue, the sets, everything. And that's why that show was such a great show and great writing. And um, uh, it, 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 it spoke to people because it didn't try to be something for everybody. Those yeah. shows never kind of, they don't, they don't last and they don't last. Uh, they're not really that great. But there are some that are. I mean, there are some that are, the, the most I think are the ones that stuck out the most, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's so true. It's funny. I'm listening to uh, Barbara Streisand's memoir on audiobook. Me and first of all, mm-hmm. Renee Taylor's mentions a number of times, yep. which makes me super excited every time. But but one of the things, you know, while you were talking, I was I was just thinking of that memoir because so much of it is kind of just being unique and tuning out people who want to change you um and you know not everybody kind of has that inner like compass or anchor to just go well everyone's saying this but my instincts are telling me this other thing and i'm i'm trusting myself um because it's 
but it's it's really seems to be the difference between like the the greats and the things that last and then the things that like have their moment and then are gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, I'm listening to it too. And I, I find so many similarities between her and Fran. It's weird. Yeah. And um, I said, uh, um, I said to her, I, I, I said to Fran, you got to listen to this. Um, I mean, she is. And, uh, you know, she, Barbara, had a very clear vision in her head of who she was and what worked for her. And, um, uh, again, down to, down to her makeup. And when she would did funny girl and she did two tests and they decided, yeah, she's right. It's hers is better. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was less generic probably. And more, you know, probably was not right for the period, but, uh, it worked for her. And um, uh, it's, I, I think you have to hold to your vision um, uh, because that's, that's what makes you, your product different than anybody else's because it has you in that vision. And uh, uh, if you're an actor, uh, you know, be you. Don't try to be anybody else. Be mm-hmm. you. Because someone will be looking for that. And it's better that than a watered down you that nobody that you don't know what to do with. And I think that's why like Fran was so successful is because she was unapologetically her. And you either like mm-hmm. it or you don't. But this is who I am and this is you know, and this is when we did the show, this was our shot and it was like, No, I can't I can't not do it the way I think it's going to be because if it's a failure, then I'm going to say, ah, I should have done it my way. Mm, mm-hmm. That's so true. And if it's not, then it's like, oh, I'm glad I followed my gut. Mm-hmm. That's such a great answer. I almost, yeah. almost want to end on that, but I also want to grab some other questions for the listeners. <laughs> but I, lo- I just love that as yeah, a lesson beautiful. for everything. Yeah. Um, and Well, I think, I think you know, there's a couple of questions here that that will lead us to another good stopping point. So why don't why don't we go through, Tori? Why don't you go through the last few? Here? Sure. Okay. Okay. Well, the first is just okay. This is just a fun one. Uh, the pants five two seven. She says, "I always love episodes featuring Chester. Do you have any fun stories or memories about Chester on set or behind the scenes?" And she says, "Thank you so much for taking the time to answer these questions." Uh- I have a fun behind the things, you know, Chester had her, uh, her own handler, well, not her own, Fran had a few assistants, uh, assistants, uh, on the show. And one of them's job was to watch after Chester. <laughs> um, and my friends had come to visit me. Um, from New York and I were in my office as a bungalow on the set and somehow Chester got out of the bungalow and was walking through the, the studio and <laughs> the guard, I think called, um, the gate guard called and said, Chester's walking around <laughs> <laughs> and my, the assistant turned green Oh man! Knowing that this, you know, this is gonna, 
And she said, please don't tell anyone. <laughs> oh, man. And ran to the gate to get the dog. <laughs> and the dog was fine. And, um, uh, you know, and of course, the, you know, we wrote it that because the do dog hated everybody but friends. <laughs> and um, so we thought it would be funny to write it that, you know, it was Cece's dog and Cece's own dog hated Cece. And every time Fran picked <laughs> her up, you know, it licked Fran. So, you know, we used, used reality to what the dog would do, including to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, um, and the only wanted to be with Fran. So that, so those are the two Chester, Chester stories I remember. And yeah. Chester was in a movie before that. He's in Cadillac Man with Fran, too. Has huh. a hysterical scene. Yeah. Oh my God! Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Well, well, everyone will have Chester's to had look a, bigger, a bigger career than me. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then Nicholas Alexander wants to know: Was there a particular reason to keep to keeping Morty faceless for most of the series until the very end? Uh, they note that they they love the move. They're just curious if you had a, a reasoning behind it, or if it was just that's the way it went. I think we just thought it was funny that this guy was sort of eclipsed by all the women in that, that um, house and just <laughs> never, you never even saw him. <laughs> they talked about him, you know, he was just so eclipsed that yeah. it was just, you know, uh, he's always watching the game. And I think when I, when I grew up with friends, family, and, uh, you know, her real father would always be watching a game. He was a big sports, sports fanatic, and he was always in another room watching the game. And Fran and her sister and her mother and myself would be in another room and he was watching the game. And we just thought that was a funny way that, you know, we never. And then at the end, I think it was just another, another way to end the series. Let's let's find out who Morty really is. <laughs> and then we got Steve Lawrence to do it, um, who. Um, who was a wonderful actor and a singer and. Uh, you know was very, very big in the Brat Pack era, mm. um, him and his wife, Edie. And uh, so we were very grateful to get him yeah. to play the part. Yeah, he was, a, he, was a very, he was very funny. I mean, you know, just I know he's a, a singer, but his delivery comedically as Morty was, uh, was fantastic. Yeah, he was a funny actor. He'd done a lot of acting, um, uh, but... Uh, uh, he's always and a charming, charming guy too. Really, really nice man. Yeah, I, I love that. Oh, I we loved that episode where we meet him for the first time, and um, and Sylvia is that was the other thing we thought it was such a bold move for the time that Sylvia was having an affair, but there was no moral judgment on it. It was actually a lot of empathy towards her. And I, I, I was like, you know, that's actually really progressive. Um, there's usually so much, um, you know, that's usually like the worst thing someone can do in a lot of um, narratives. But, but it was just played so human, and and um, that scene where he sings think, to her and they dance, it was just beautiful, actually. Yeah, I think I think in a lot of marriages, uh, could and a lot of people who are in marriages could relate to it that they were at a point in their marriage where. They were they drifted apart. Uh, Renee at that point had also lost a lot of weight. Up, I think, mm -hmm. um, and um, you know she was feeling probably very. The character would have been feeling sexy and 
you know, and he was paying no attention to her. And then all of a sudden he, she was getting attention from another man and eventually thought, you know, this man doesn't, I, I don't want this to be the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. This is, this is a chapter in my life where I look great and who knows how long this, you know, I have, it's like, and this doctor is giving me, who was her real husband actually. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joe Bologna, who was, you know, one of the stars of my favorite year. He was a huge movie star in the, in the seventies and eighties mm-hmm. and didn't really want to be, but was, he wanted to, he was a, also a writer and, uh, that's really where his passion was. Um, and, uh, so yes, it was a departure, but as you guys said, I think season six, there were a lot of departures. We had to, we had to examine people deeper than just the, uh, will they or won't they, um, aspect of it. And am I ever going to get married aspect of it? Because we had done that. And once you're married, once they were married, that was gone. And, uh, so yeah, I thought that, um, it was a, a fun and I think, you know, I had know you guys had mentioned I, you wanted it to be uh, more protracted, but I think then it would have gotten too serious if it got mm. protracted. So mm-hmm. we had to kind of do it in one episode or two episodes uh, so that it didn't become too, too much. You know, I don't even know yeah. if they even had the affair. They were flirting. And maybe was going in that direction, but I think it stopped short of going in that direction. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Right. That that makes that makes a, a lot of sense actually. And I and I and I understand even the, you know, I mean, you got to keep it light. Um, so, you know, obviously, Tori and I are very maudlin. <laughs> We're like examine <laughs> no, I, the pain. I, you know, <laughs> well, no, I you get you know you have to remember also you. A lot of times when you're doing a series, you know, it's all worked out on the board each episode. And then the network comes in and says, well, you know, we're going to, we decided, I think what happened was they didn't air the last six seasons, the last six episodes until the summer. So we had to end it before, and then they were going to show the final six summers, the six episodes after it was, and we had to make it, had to make it all make sense. It's very difficult to do, and uh, mm. you know you're always yeah. you're always trying to make it all work for the audience that the network sometimes doesn't think about. It's like you know they'll cancel a show, and it's never what happened to our yeah. people. They didn't oh. end it, you know. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, no, it makes yeah. So yeah. okay, and then we have. Um... So the, while we're talking about uh, season six, uh, Liz Mary, uh, the, the longtime listener and fan, uh, she wants to know, in Cancer Schmancer, Fran mentions that a lot of season six episodes were shelved without being released. Um, is there a way to make those available to the public? Is that, were, were, is she, were there filmed episodes or, or is she saying, was Fran saying that there were uh, maybe scripts that were never filmed? Do, do you recall? No, I don't think, I, I think they weren't shelled. I, that's what I was just saying was that mm-hmm. there were four or five episodes, I think, that um, aired after the finale. Ah, and, I see. Uh, oh, so they wanted gosh. to 
add the finale and then afterwards they they were like a summer special of extra episodes that they didn't people didn't see uh because at that point they were never able to put anything after us mm-hmm. and of course the show was based on uh an audience who was waiting for them to get married and once you get they got married the ratings went down mm-hmm. and um uh and as we knew they would so then they were going to try to put another show in there to make the ratings go up which they never did um until you know years later um but uh so that's what i think she's talking about i I don't think they were ever they were all aired that whatever we made right and those are now in in whatever the proper order uh uh, on uh on h on max yeah and i don't even know if they're in the proper order i don't remember the order we filmed them in now because it was all (laughs) screwed up at the end when they did that so uh i think there's there's a a baby shower that that's after it or something. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> some of them are not, and I don't remember how it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Well, and then before we get to our last listener question, which we got from a ton of listeners, I have I have one more for myself, and that's I, I just wanted to to hear a little bit about your your experience with the backdoor pilot episode, and and kind of where where that kind of all came from and 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 were there some other spin-offs that you would have preferred or that you had in mind uh if you if you have any memories on that stuff uh yeah um well you know when you when the shows are hit sometimes your agents negotiate with the your studio and your network to develop more shows for the network because it was a hit and the show was a hit. And so I got what they call a development deal. Mm-hmm. Fran got a development deal. And we had worked as hairdressers, Fran and I, as uh, when we got out of high school, uh, because our parents said, if you didn't, you know, nobody in my neighborhood, well, that's not true, but, um, you know, they didn't have, like, they were scared that we wouldn't make it in show business and we need something to fall mm-hmm. back on. Mm-hmm. So uh, we became hair cutters and we thought it was a very funny, area to um do as a sitcom and uh, that's where the chatterbox sort of started developing um and it becomes one of the you know one of the episodes uh that um that we you know we tried to do a spin-off of which obviously didn't happen um there was another one that was in development called the godmother uh that was basically anti mame um uh. <laughs> that I was developing for um uh Patty Lapone. Um mm. and then she got another pilot and then it was being developed for then Joan Collins and mm. then uh it didn't happen for whatever reason. And so but it was a very cute idea about this woman who was a star and uh and Got a, you know, had a kid dropped on their, uh, uh, basically in their lap and, you know, had no idea how to raise this child. And, um, uh, and it was called the godmother. And, um, yeah, that didn't happen either. And I'm trying to think of, you know, and the, the, the cartoon was, that was developed for Saturday mornings. Um, but that didn't oh, go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was fun um but you know that they were all fun experiences to do you know usually they don't go 
most of the most of the stuff doesn't go. So yeah. it's not like it was a shock. It was like you know the nanny was the that was the you know crazy thing that that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and uh uh and 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 every every year i used to sit on those steps we'd have a party and i'd look at it all the people that were working for the show and think god how the hell did this happen yeah and, uh, so grateful so, you're so right grateful. about you're right about that the 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 passes are really not shocking at a certain point it's the huge success <laughs> and then you go what that's the shocking one yeah exactly yeah that, that something actually worked and case stayed on the air for six years yeah my god i Amazing. mean you know now you look if you get six shows <laughs> well yeah, so now I mean, crazy now you have so the the we brings us to to a great this last question which a lot of people wanted to know about because now this is one that seems like it's going this is uh well, you know a follow up that seems like it it is in progress so do you have any updates on the nanny musical and where that's at and and how that's going the nanny musical is on hold um we're re vamping everything again but it sort of went on hold after Fran um <clears throat> a couple of years ago uh, about a year ago and then Fran became president of the ne of the union um mm -hmm. and that took a lot of time and we were just talking today about it before I spoke to you guys um because uh we want to go back and rewrite the book and and mm. and go in go in a totally different direction now so you know uh it's still in the works um, but, um, musicals take a long time, yeah. sometimes 10, 15 years. So, um, uh, till it finds its, you know, finds its, its place, but, you know, it's still something we want to do and still something, uh, that is, uh, you know, people seem to be interested in. And, um, so, you know. We 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 will go back into it today, and I I was just pinching something to her on my way back from the gym about it, and uh, uh, she said, "Oh, I like that," and uh, so I think um, she's going to to do something in Paris right now, and then she's doing Spinal Tap, I think. Right. And, oh, right. Uh, right. That's fun. Uh, and then there's an Adam Sandler movie, I think, also that she's doing. But um, I'm not sure. And are you still um, but, working uh, with uh, with Rachel on that? With Rachel Bloom on the on the musical? Well, no, that that whole that whole um, um, that whole uh, uh, genre of it stopped a couple of years ago, actually. Uh, when um, when Adam uh, uh, Schlesinger passed. it was during COVID and yeah. everything. It all just sort of kind of fell apart, and uh, uh, everybody you know left friends. Um, uh, it just sort of was like um, uh, we all, I think, decided it's best just to, you know, um, let it go. Mm -hmm. And we did for it's been a couple of years since we, you know, really anybody's really worked on it. So, yeah, which is know, such a typical it's a, story. It's a very, yeah, it's, you know, we were just talking about the Barbara Streisand memoir. Uh, I, I got to the funny girl part where, the, you know, they'd been, it had been being developed for like a decade before she even, yeah. oh no, I'm sorry. It wasn't, it wasn't funny girl. Yeah, no, it was funny girl. Yeah. It was, you know, it's just, you know, so many, this is and that's, and then sometimes it's just, you know, it's the, 
so many things happened and then the timing suddenly is right. Uh, and so, right. It all comes together. Um, and you know, Rachel is a brilliant, brilliant talent and a brilliant writer. And, uh, oh, yeah. uh, uh, she's just amazing. And, uh, um, it was just, you know, I think that the timing sort of like, just sort of like, you know, with COVID and with, uh, and then there were, you know, the rights, people own the rights for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And I think it just sort of like kind of fell apart. And, um, uh, you know, but hopefully, yeah. you know, one day we'll be able to bring it back together or not. Yeah. You know, no, listen, like, I, I think the good news, it, the good update is that it's on your mind. You're, you guys are actively thinking about it. I think that's what people... I know as a fan, that's what I like to hear is just like, yeah, it is being worked on. I don't want anyone to rush anything because that's not how good stuff is made. It has to come from a real place. You can't just force it out because people want it because that's how you end up with the dreck that, that we're, you know, we've referenced throughout this interview where it's, it's, it's uh soulless in a sense. So you guys, yeah. you know, the, let them cook everybody mm-hmm. they're they're working on it it's going to come when it comes and it will be what it is and be great because of the time that it had to ruminate because that's how good ideas that's how that's how good things happen uh in in the creative yeah world. yeah that's right sean exactly yeah. <laughs> it is right i mean I know, is, you're right. you yeah. can't force it, is, it. You, know, you can't and i that's one thing i've learned if I, I you know i have tried to force many things for my entire life and my uh-huh. career and it never works out. And then something out of the blue kind of happens uh, that you weren't even thinking about. And that's the one that happens. Yes. That's the one that works out. Like the nanny. It was yes. like, you know, it was a little, it was meant to be every step of the way. It just kept working out and uh, where it could have stopped. Yes. And it didn't. It just kept on going and people enjoyed it. And people, you know, it was meant to be in, in, out there because people are still thank you all so much for enjoying it and watching it and getting it and telling people about it and and you guys thank you for keeping it alive for um uh through your for your through your podcast it's i listen to it and i always enjoy hearing what you guys have to say about it and thank you um and uh i think you've got a lot of followers and i uh i'm always um uh wait wait for my uh Thursday notice that it's up there <laughs> and uh, um, I'm uh, it's great it's great yeah, I mean you know you. that we're still talking about a show that that 30 years old is um, is pretty amazing and it's um, I'm I'm so happy that people still enjoy it no thank you so much and, and you know obviously please pass our love and all of our love to Fran as well and all of our accolades uh, because you know, uh, you know, so that you guys make an amazing team, and uh, and Tori and I really, really, really appreciate you taking the time to do this and being so gracious with your time, and and for listening too. Quite frankly, that's <laughs> that's it's really uh, nice that that to know that. Well, I have know, an ego. Well, like sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I don't. I think in our wildest dreams, when we started this, if you said that you know 
the nanny creator actually listens, we we wouldn't we would have thought that was just like silly. I would have been like too, nah, too good to why? be. Yeah. So so we just you know it makes us happy. And our listeners they often reference you when they ask questions. They'll say like, oh, can you ask Peter this? Or that? So so um, it's been a delight having yeah. you as such a um, supporter of the community that kind of built up around the podcast. And and we said the great thing is like we're we're going to keep the podcast up. It's going to be there for. For people who are rediscovering the nanny even now, um, which is really exciting right. to us too. Um, so, yeah. so again, yeah, this has been such a delight. I know every, I know we've kept you like an hour and a half. So <laughs> thank you. I, and I'm sure everyone probably needs water, but but no, really, it's, it's been it's <laughs> so wonderful. And um, and again, thank you so much, Peter. My pleasure. You can edit out all the boring stuff and just keep the good stuff. <laughs> no, we'll just we'll edit out only we'll edit out everything Sean said, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. All right. Well, that was awesome. That was so cool that he did that and he stayed for that long. And a couple of times we were like, hey man, if you gotta go. And he was like, Hell no, I'm here and I'm in it with you guys. And it was very gracious of him. I had a I had a blast doing that, Toria. Yes, it, it was, again, an amazing experience, an amazing um, way to end the podcast. And um, we hoped you enjoyed that time with um, Peter. And we hope you enjoyed the last three years with us. Yeah. And again, we want to say That's how crazy. grateful we are for you guys. And yep. we know you've, you've been in this episode for about three hours. So we're not going to keep you too much longer. <laughs> but again, thank, a, a you. thank you. And hey, Sean. A final goodbye. The Flushing Girl from Flushing, the nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, uh, Miss Fine. <laughs> <laughs>